2: Visit worldafropedia.com, the African-centered encyclopedia, a global database of African knowledge for the purpose of bringing about global African wisdom and understanding. worldafropedia.com
3: So my question is, and why are we still still doing those things? But that's my question of all black people. Why are you still doing this when it hasn't brought about the total liberation of African people? Don't you think it is time to stop doing those things? To stop the downward spiral, you must first stop it. Then you can start something new that will have an impact on changing the right side of that page now does this sound logical and does it make sense but if it doesn't make sense let me know and I will scratch all of that out and I will write down what you have to say
4: about it it makes total sense to me Uh, I've been (laughs) trying to get out the the same message in terms of just you know let's be honest about our predicament uh in terms of all these people going out and stomping around in the streets uh since they announced that they weren't going to uh indict Darren Wilson and they weren't going to indict uh Dan Pantaleo in New York for Eric Garner choking him to death and all the other cases uh and saying you know hey we've been doing this march thing for years like that's not new they marched for Rodney King and marched after they killed Dr King in 68 go all the way back uh through the 60s and, and even longer if you're interested like there's a track record on this we should be able to look and make an assessment and say okay well this is something that we've done before and what happened did this produce the result that we were looking for in fact, it was a it was a black uh teen in new york city that was uh shot and killed by the police uh almost 50 years to the day that eric garner was choked to death like they did a uh they did like a five minute report uh, on him and they rioted. They rioted for almost a week uh, in New York after this. And we had a, a white guy on the program. He did his thesis uh, in grad school on on this event. And I said, well, what was the result since people rioted and did all that? and He said, well, the officer uh, wasn't indicted, wasn't charged. Uh, they made a citizen review board that lasted uh, at the most a year. And then the police disbanded that. Uh, It was a whole lot of black people got arrested and beat up uh, during the course of that week of rioting and a whole lot of uh, property and buildings and things in a predominantly black area that were burned down, that remain vacant, boarded up lots to this day, 50 years uh, from now, uh, where it hasn't been rebuilt, revitalized, nothing. It's just empty buildings to this day. I said, well, okay. Uh, And I've heard the same. Mr. Fuller said the same thing about D.C. uh, after they rioted when Dr. King and uh, they just did a uh, 20 year retrospective on uh, after the Rodney King uh, upheaval and everything in L.A. And they said the same thing. You got a whole lot of empty lots and nothing really changed. LAPD is still killing black people. You had Ezel Ford that just happened uh, this summer. I've said the exact same thing. Like we need to, you know, make some honest assessments and look at at things that we've done and whether or not it's had any impact uh, at all on stopping what whites are doing to us. We just keep doing the same thing and it's not producing any new result. I was like, white people are very good. They know how to control marches. Uh, They might even go join with you and go march around and uh, change, you know, what people are talking about. And I've seen that like they, uh, they had a sign at the March last week in DC. It was a white minister And he had a sign because they've been saying black lives matter and his sign It said black LGBT lives matter. I said, man, just that right there. (laughs) He lets me know everything I need to know about all of this. Uh, Just like uh, the white people, they are very good. They've already read the book. They are masters at crowd control. Uh, you know they know exactly how far this will go until people peter out and get tired and decide that they've they've had enough of all this and they just go right back to business as usual. Um, so I, I absolutely agree. I, I I think what you said makes perfect sense in terms of just being honest about all the things we've done thus far. They have not been effective in solving this problem.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, who, who was the, who was the brother that they killed fifty years ago? Do you know the name?
4: Uh yes, sir. Let's see. Let me uh get it. I it just <laughs> keeps slipping my mind. I had I had to memorize. His name is They did a big piece. NPR did a big piece because they had some of the people that were uh alive that were in that neighborhood at the time and what they remembered seeing and um some other like I said they had this white guy who did did a research project on it. His name is It's not Yusuf Hawkins. I think that was after that. Yeah, his that was I think like twenty, and they did they just did a twenty five year assessment on that because that was uh, twenty five years ago, and they they were talking to people. Even they had a, they interviewed some white women because they were talking about how involved uh, Al Sharpton was in all of that, and so they played some of the audio clips of the protest where he was involved and and what was happening, and he got stabbed. A white guy came and stabbed him during the middle of yeah. all that, but they were talking to some white women. And uh, I said I I hate Al Sharpton. He would, you know, he would never help me if if a black person did something to me. He wouldn't. He wouldn't come and help me. I I I hope he dies. (laughs) They sat around and laughed. And I play. I had played that repeatedly on the program because I said for all the people that sit around and gripe and complain about Al Sharpton and I hate him and he's a sellout white people sit and wish death on him. And I'm not even saying, you know, that I'm a fan or what have you. I just, I feel like that's something I, I really try and, you know, stay away from that just bashing on other black people because white people hate all of us. Like, it really doesn't matter. They sit around and wish death on him. Oh, but the, uh, the 15-year-old, his name was James Powell. Uh, he was shot uh, in July of 1964 in Harlem. James Powell, that was his name. I don't
3: know him. I don't know him.
4: Um, I have a tape, it's a VHS tape, and
3: I'm, uh, I stopped searching for it, but I know I have it, and it is, uh, goes back to the ni- uh, rebellion of 1919, I think it was, and after the rebellion they formed a commission, and the purpose of this this uh, chronology was to show that after each of these events there was a commission that was set up, and of course it ended with the current Commission. Um and it's, it basically said that you know these problems came from police brutality, et cetera, et cetera. They need uh more employment and I don't know what that got to do with employment and better housing et cetera, but they linked it. they link the two together um, so all the commissions have not brought anything, and I have a tape when Bush Senior went into L.A. and he's walking down L.A. with this brother. I can't remember his name. He sounds like he's Hispanic, and he is showing the devastation, which a uh, very, very somber looking, and he's got this entourage. They're all walking through the aftermath of this, uh, this destruction, and he's like, "Oh my goodness!" You know, I'm looking at his face, and people would think that he said, oh, this is bad. You know, this is awful. But I say, this guy said, this is wonderful. This is just (laughs) what we, (laughs) this is just what we want. And then he said that he was going to go back to D.C. and generate this money to infuse into the community. And that demon went back. (laughs) He said, Jack, back to the people, Mm man. Uh. So I think that my statement is one of the few verbal statements that put us put us on the offense. See, everything we do is defense. But my statement says It's time for us to get off of the second team or the skins team and get on the first five and start playing offense. See, I was over at the gym a couple of years ago, and the guys, they called me Doc. Said, okay, Doc, we chose up the team. You're going to play skins. Said, yo, man, I'm not playing no skins. I haven't played skins since I was a, a sophomore in high school. I'm always on the first five. So... It's time for us to get on offense. Mm-hmm. And how do we get on offense? All we got to do is start thinking about it. So once people start putting my statement in their heads, that this is the solution to the problem, then each individual that does that will change his or her behavior. Absolutely. In all those areas I just talked about, they'll change their psychology, they'll change their cultural outlook, their economics, and all of that. That's part of de-whitenizing. And the more we de-whitenize, the more we'll have an impact on this system. Because then the people say, hey, these people are now, they're serious about this. So if you come to me, you come to Kamau, if it were up to me, And based on my spending alone, this thing would have collapsed 40 years ago. (laughs) Because I don't spend money, or very little money, on anything. I'm not supporting... I'm not financing my own destruction. Now, there was a, a thing that went out that said... Samson Walmart gave $10,000 to Darren Wilson. Did you see that
4: note? Uh, no sir.
3: Yeah. Um, they said actually there was a sign at one of the protests that made this statement. And, uh, you go and read the article online about it and the person that uh, is uh, doing the Uh, analysis on it said that there's no evidence that this is true however even if it is not true it proves my point that the profits that these companies and corporations make they give the profits to entities that will continue to destroy black people Mm -hmm. So whatever profit they make, they'll give it to the PBA, Police Benevolent Association. They'll give it to the Klan, et cetera. But they find we we finance our destruction by basically what we buy. But we're in in other instances, we're forced into buying certain things, spending money on certain things. So now they said, Oh, we You know, black people from this country, they spent over a trillion dollars, 1.1 trillion dollars. But that's not an accurate figure because we're forced to pay for electricity. We're forced to pay rent or property taxes, you know, heat. We don't control the gas or the, um, the oil. So we got to take some of this money out of that figure because we don't own or control those things. And that's what we got to get a hold of a hold of we have to own and control everything we need see so if we if we extract the things that we don't own and control from that equation, we don't spend a trillion dollars and And the money that we do spend is basically on the things that we want. And we have to change that and just buy what we need. Mm -hmm. That's when people will know that we're serious. So I just finished this little piece that's going to be on my website, hopefully soon, about the black FM radio station that sell death to black people through their ads partying, and going to the different shows this is all over the country we got to do something about that so uh, that's really all i have to say about this madness that's going on all
4: right that spending piece i have been saying that because people people were saying uh they were going to boycott Uh, Black Friday, and you know, I wasn't, I'm still not excited about it, because I just said that they've done studies, and they've said if you're just going to do a one-day boycott, all people do is either take all the money that they would spend on the day of that boycott, and spend it the day before, or they spend it the day afterwards. Like, if if we're really talking about making some substantial progress, it would have to be, like, permanently changing our spending patterns. Like, I had mentioned what you said consistently. Like, you know, if you're really upset about uh, Darren Wilson not getting indicted and what have you? Hey, no more jumbo TVs, no more iPhones, no more iPads. Like, none There's of cable TV. Exactly. Yeah. Not One hundred fifty dollars sneakers and all
3: that madness. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I have listen. I've been engaged in a forty-year boy. <laughs> <of TV. laughs> I want that on record. I've been involved in a forty-year
2: boycott.
3: This is the longest. I have the longest boycott in the history of our people against these demons. And you can play this over the air. I don't buy a jet. And you know, I go, I work out, but I knew I wasn't gonna go and buy those sneakers for whatever it is. So I remember when the Marlboros came out. And I think he was selling, his. Stephen Marbury was selling his sneakers for like $12 or $15. And I told you, I drove 45 minutes. I heard they were in North Carolina. I drove 45 minutes to to this place and got a pair of those sneakers. And then a friend of mine in the city sent me some. He said, come on, I know you want these shoes because they're so cheap. I said, yep. He sent me like four pairs, oh. so I'm gonna be shoot, I'm gonna
4: be shooting jump shots at 95 years old. <laughs> uh, I love it. I love it. I love it because people. Was, I told people. I said I'm not going out to do any of these marches. I'm not going out to do any of these protests because uh, I'm in Seattle and the white people here deny that um In November, when they announced that they weren't going to indict uh, Darren was first, I said that I said that back in August, Uh, I told them, I said, they're not going to indict him. Uh, I said, this is a white police officer. You can just go ahead and cash that. That's this is not going to trial. Uh, And when they announced that they was not going to trial, uh, they even here in Seattle, they were out running around in the street and they had white. It's a whole lot of white people. here. It's not a whole lot of black people here. Uh, They were throwing eggs at people and businesses and I just said come on man like these white people they they have a long track record of this sort of thing they will go out especially some of the younger white people they will go out and it'll be fun for them uh, where they can be uh, mischievous and do you know some crim- down with the man down with they had that with the, the hippies and the 60s and Students yeah. for Democratic Society and all that, they'll go and play around and confuse black people and make us think that, oh, man, you know, some of them are good. Not all of them are demons. Some of them, you know, they want change. They want justice. And they'll do that for a couple of years or what have you. And then after they've had their fun, then they go back to the business, go back, get their job, go work, put their parents and uncles and grandparents and, and just continue going about the business of terrorizing us. And I just right. said, no, I'm not anything, anything just off tie. I wouldn't care what it is. Anything if I see white people participating in it I already know that this is not constructive this is not about right. black liberation. because if it was they wouldn't be present they would be doing everything that they could to shut it down so that just off top lets me no, know I
3: guess that, that's why white people are not sending me any contribution. <laughs>
4: exactly. <laughs> exactly 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 uh, I
3: have a word I can't say that I'm the uh, originator of the word to describe those white people that participated in this but the word is they are our frenemy. Hmm. That's a friend and enemy. They pretend to be a friend, but really they're the enemy. Hmm. They are our frenemy. That
4: so, makes... go ahead. I was going to say, in my opinion. That makes them even more dangerous because there's so many of us that have been, as you say, whitenized. I I use that example you shared on the program where we have that white uh, traffic cop uh, in our head that, you know, tells, oh, don't be listening to Dr. Kanban, you know, don't don't do that. You don't want to be listening to what he's talking about and kind of guiding our behavior, that white traffic cop like oh yeah these white people here they're great that's your friends listen to them you should hang out with them see not all white people are bad that's i feel like they're even even more worse because it, it really just throws you off completely uh in my bit that's going in the opposite direction of de-whitenizing i feel like once you start seeing these examples of these white people that are Ill, allegedly not racist they're not a part of the white terror dominators that just makes it even worse and just just throws us into more confusion
3: Right, right. So that if you go to my paradigm, you go right to mixed messages. So they say this, but they do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that leads to confusion. And I like to break that word down. Con means against fusion, against the the unity of black people. And that's why we stay con-fused. If you go and look at that list I gave you in the beginning, all
4: that is nothing but confusion. Context of white supremacy. Justice Gusty Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Thursday, February 26th, 2015. So I have been told. Uh, The audio segment that you heard at the beginning of the program, uh, Dr. Kamau Kambon. You can hit his website, KamauKambon.org. Address again, KamauKambon.org. You can check out some of his uh, different articles. Uh, He's been on the program uh, several times. You can go back in the archives. Uh, And check out some of the many times he's been a guest with us. Uh, I think he even got some recent feedback from a listener who said they employed one of the strategies, one of his suggestions uh, in terms of writing letters uh, for black people. Uh, If you have businesses that you uh, frequent, post office, whatever it has to be uh, where you go. And uh, if there are black people uh, that are doing a good job and they always give you quality service, uh, something easy that you can do uh that can have a really significant impact in working against white supremacy write a letter uh and just you know try to give out as many accolades as you can uh and talking about how competent and courteous uh that black person was uh you know miss uh miss johnson every time that I come to you know where post office let's say every time I come to the post office Miss Johnson gives me exemplary service. She goes above and beyond the call of duty. Uh, she always has a warm smile uh, and just does her absolute best uh, to make sure that I leave uh, satisfied uh, and feeling as though everything is going to be taken care of uh, wherever you know you happen to be uh, going to if it's at the bank wherever uh, but just writing that letter um, because so as many, many of us can attest to. So many of us have difficulties on the job uh, with whites uh, filling our personnel folder uh, with all kinds of, or he was 30 seconds late uh, or her fingernails were dirty or whatever other just nonsense that they can file in there so that we don't get that promotion, we don't get that raise and or we get fired. Uh, so that can uh, just have a big impact uh, to kind of counterbalance I uh, said, so, well, we do got this report that, you know, you were surly or you weren't a team player or you were late. But we also got this letter that said you gave, you know, great service and folks were really satisfied. So, you know, I guess we'll uh, we'll have to give you another six months, even even if it's just that uh, something as simple as taking 15 minutes. And it's not like we're talking about writing a dissertation or a thesis. Uh, you can take 15 minutes uh, to write a letter, pop it in the mail uh, and, you know, it even if it doesn't that black person doesn't get a raise or a promotion, it can at minimum keep them on that job a little bit, a little bit longer uh, where whites are most likely working to try and get them out of there. That's something that he's a big fan of uh, writing those letters and even using letters to be preemptive uh, with the school situation. I know Dr. Uh, Joy DeGruy had talked about that as well. If You have to send your child uh, to the killing fields uh, where whites are going to practice racism and torment and uh, abuse them. Uh, Have that letter before things even get started. You can have your folder of information talking about the different ways that racism, white supremacy is manifested in the school system. You can have that clip. Uh, Elena uh, Errata, she was on the guest uh, a few months back uh, where she was talking about her time in the Detroit Public school system uh, where you can have that information and just kind of go in before the school year even gets started uh, and saying what types of programs do you have in place to be sure that you are countering racism, white supremacy in the way that it might be manifested in this particular school setting. But he is a big fan of writing those letters. And uh, just from the times that we have talked about it, he said he's consistently got uh, great results uh, from using those letters, both writing letters for. Uh, black employees and writing letters uh, to deal with whites who are practicing racism. So one of his suggestions, you can go back in the archives, uh, I think what he was on, um, I think it was his fifth visit. Uh, he talked about the letters uh, more extensively uh, and giving you know how you go about doing that and some of the times that he's been able to use it and it worked out well. But Kamal Kanban, Dr. Kamal Kanban, that was uh, December of 2014, uh, we were having that discussion. He said to uh, we could go ahead and play uh, that chunk on the program because he wanted that included. Uh, and I think that's something else that he has been uh, consistent about, at least the times that. Uh, I have spoken with him in times that he's been on the program uh, in terms of really being mindful about our spending habits. Uh, There are simple things that we could do that, you know, don't involve us having to go out uh, and be engaged in counter violence, uh, you know, to go out and attack anybody or, you know, anything that's going to be dangerous uh, or really intense uh, where you could just say, hey, under this system until it has been replaced, I don't do movies. Never, ever, ever, uh, that's something simple that all of us could do. uh I do not you know buy the most expensive clothing and getting our children in that habit at an early age, where it's not saying that you have to look raggedy and tattered, but just under this system, you know we we as victims of racism purposely deliberately do not spend unnecessarily uh we're not going to go out. Uh, And buy, you know, pricey clothes and try to be flashy uh, slaves on the plantation of white supremacy. We're just not going to do that. And and breaking down the logic, as you heard him saying uh, in the discussion, Uh, and he even uh, expressed some suspicion about that Walmart thing. I've checked online and it looks like um, that there's no evidence to support that Walmart Uh, donated any funds directly to Darren Wilson, but I think Walmart's record uh, speaks for itself. Uh, In fact, we could just end with John Crawford. Nothing else need be said, in my opinion, Uh, with regards to Walmart and their practice of racism, white supremacy. I think they have a long undeniable record, but that's just one thing uh, that we could do to really uh, minimize unnecessary spending. And uh, we don't need the flashiest uh, vehicle Uh, We don't need the flashiest clothes. We don't need to to be going out to uh, every movie uh, and paying all that money uh, just for out and out nonsense. Certainly, I've been a big uh, proponent of uh, the eating out. That's another one I think we could really cut down on. Uh, In addition to you could save yourself the racism uh, on the going out. They seems like they release a study every other month talking about the different ways that racism is practiced uh, in the restaurant industry where black people's food is being tampered with or servers are making racist remarks or they're just getting rude uh, and terroristic service uh, when they go out to patronize uh, these establishments. So that's just a small thing that you could do. Again, you can visit his website, KamauKambon.org. KamauKambon.org. Uh, the broadcast for today, I uh, have some things that I want to touch on. Initially, uh, I want to do this program uh, to kind of review some of the things, uh, since we just had our anniversary, uh, some of the things, lessons, things that have stood out, uh, over the time that we've been doing this program. Uh, but I'm not going to do that today. We will table that for another time because, uh, I feel like I can, uh, just include audio clips to really kind of make the point, uh, that I want to. And, uh, I didn't have as much time as I needed to kind of go through and tease out. We, uh, 1000 plus programs is a lot of content to kind of go through and and tease out uh, some of the moments that I wanted to make sure I share. So we'll table that and do it uh, a little bit down the road. But uh, there are some things that I wanted to make sure I reviewed uh, as uh, Black History Month winds up uh, to just kind of review some of the things that have happened. Uh, and give time for folks to participate if there are things that folks want to make sure that they bring up. I know some of our listeners uh, had been raising concerns about problems in the workplace. Uh, Definitely wanted to make sure we gave additional time. Of course, we always do that on the weekends, the Saturday program, uh, the compensatory call-in, the last hour devoted to workplace racism. Uh, I think that's something that uh, I would be super pleased if folks wanted to spend more time uh, where they're coming up with codification. uh, They're coming up uh, with things that are working to minimize problems in the workplace uh, so that you're uh, having fewer difficulties and are knocking out problems uh, on the job. Uh, if you are having difficulties and being able to share and folks being able to offer suggestions and things that they can uh, recommend that might be successful in minimizing some of those conflicts. But that's definitely something that I would uh, look forward to spending more time on. So one of our listeners, I think, was having some difficulties in that area where whites were coming up with these nutty suggestions uh, to to just have black people, or I guess everybody, but black people doing uh, silly things on the job, uh, so to give some time for that. Uh, I know some folks are also saying that they were having difficulties in, in how to make sure they were minimizing conflict with other victims on the job. That's something that we've talked about uh, quite a bit in the past as well, so definitely folks, uh, if they have input on that, things you'd like to share, we'll make time for that. The number to dial 760 569 The code is five, six, four, nine, four, three, pound. Press star six. If you would like to chime in, Uh, I have a few other things I want to make sure I touch on before uh, we get to folks. If they have things they would like to share or questions, comments, they would like to uh, make sure they get to offer before. we wrap up i will make sure uh, folks have time to do so uh some of the things I wanted to make sure I got in uh listeners had sent uh questions uh with regards to uh I guess just different things they wanted to know about the program uh since we've been uh rolling down for 6 years since our return uh one of the questions was where did the name come from I think I've uh, addressed this on the program before but I suspect that it's it's probably been uh quite a while uh, since we did this, Uh, the name, Context of White Supremacy, Cows. Uh, In 2007, uh, a few months before we uh, went on air uh, the first place, back of the bus in Gus, um, we were, we had been talking, I had been talking about racism quite a bit. And it seemed like it didn't matter who I was talking to. If I was talking to a white person, non-white person, it would seem like every conversation, it would drift into an area where we were talking as though whites were not waging war against black people, uh, as though we were talking and things that were happening, whether it was things black people were doing things, white people were doing uh, as though this was happening uh, somehow outside of the confines of the plantation, white supremacy. And I felt like every time I would have to reel people back in to be like, well, wait a minute. (laughs) We, all of this, everything that we're talking about, everything that's happening is taking place within the context of white supremacy, and it it, it got to the point where this was such a, a constant thing that, and I mean, sometimes once you you know reminded people of that, it would totally invalidate everything that the person was saying. Uh, it just became nothing. It got to the point that you know sometimes we would just make a joke out of it and just be like, "Well, in the context of white supremacy," and just fade out like nothing else even needed to be said. Like just once. Everybody is reminded, and his agreement is willing to truthfully acknowledge that we are in a total system where whites are waging war, terrorism against black people, non white people in total, but especially black people. That, you know, it, once we lose sight of that, I mean, we're just talking nonsense. We might as well be talking about cartoons or, you know, watching Scandal or whatever else, wasting our time. Uh, but that's where the name came from, because that was just uh, a mnemonic, if you will, to make sure that uh, we, we keep that in the forefront of our mind, that everything that ha- is happening is taking place within the context. Context is extremely important. Uh, let's see uh, some of the other questions. Um Hmm. Why did I choose Gus T. Renegade? Uh, I think that came up more recently. Um, One of the listeners was talking about Birth of a Nation, uh, the film. They just celebrated the 100 year anniversary of that film and talking about how big an impact that had in terms of recruitment uh, for the Klan and, uh, you know, explicit uh, forms of racism, white supremacy and justifying the abuse and terrorism. Of Black people. uh, That film came out just right before I think even uh, Red Summer, uh, the book that we talked about a few years back. Cameron uh, McWhirter got it right here. I think we talked about that was uh, the close, the end of 2011 when we had him on the program. But he even mentions Uh, That film and book, Uh, the book is called The Klansman, uh, unless I'm mistaken, Uh, but that film had a big impact in a lot of the white terrorism directed against black people uh, in 1919, Uh, but I had seen that film uh, years ago. I saw it uh, while I was still in college, and uh, it just... Stuck with me that, uh, that character in birth of a nation, uh, Gus, the renegade, uh, you can, you know, take some time. As as I said, one of our listeners just mentioned it a few weeks back that he was finally able to see the film and saw the character Gus, the renegade. Oh, that was, uh, that was, uh, the influence for the name. Uh, let's see. Do I think the problem of racism, white supremacy will ever be solved? Absolutely. Uh, If I didn't think this problem would be solved, I would not be doing this program. And there would be no point uh, to doing this program. There would be no point uh, to talking about racism, writing about racism. Uh, You know, it would be it would be uh, the same as, you know, do uh, anything else, any problem that cannot be solved. Uh, You know, if 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 I don't think uh, there's any way that we're going to be able to resolve this situation then you know we might as well sp- uh pick something else to do with our time and energy uh if i really didn't think this problem would be uh could be solved i would just say that black people the best thing black people should do uh, is to try to get as comfortable as they possibly can uh under these conditions, which at least in my observation is what a lot of victims have done to just say, hey, this problem can't be solved. I even hear that. I, that's basically what people are saying when racism is is going to always be here and this problem will always be with us. That's generally that's the same logic uh that this problem cannot be solved. So, you know, you just have to make do with it. I do not think that that's accurate. And. I think that whites have done a phenomenal job at encouraging us to think that this problem cannot be solved. Uh, I can even go back uh, one of the guests that we had on the uh, program way, way back. Um, This is uh, the white suspected racist uh, who did that film, uh, My Alpha 21. We had him on the program in 2009, uh, and I believe he practiced racism during that broadcast, but... One of the important things that he did share uh, during the course of that exchange was that whites have done studies and they will set people up with a problem and they'll have two groups. The only difference will be that they'll tell one group that the problem cannot be solved. They'll tell the other group uh, that the problem can be solved, that there is definitely an answer. Get to it. And they'll give them the same amount of time. They'll have the same uh, number of people, same, you know, intellectual aptitude. And the group that they tell the problem cannot be solved, they work less diligently. uh, They are less efficient. uh, They're just less vested in the whole process of trying to solve the problem. And that's logical. If this cannot be solved, then, you know, we're just wasting our time. I mean, it's no real point uh, to any of this. So I absolutely think the problem can be solved. And I think it's important uh, that any black person uh, who is about the business of counter-racism, Have that in mind, that this problem can be solved, will be solved. It is simply a matter of time and us getting the will, the ability, the know-how to go about solving the problem. But I absolutely think it can be solved, will be solved. Uh, We just got to get to it. Uh, Let's see. I've noticed that white supremacy is being used more often, at least on Twitter. Is that a good sign? Why or why not? Uh, I have seen it used a bit more than uh, at least from what I recall uh, maybe six, seven years ago. Um, I don't, I mean, <laughs> I, I would say it's it's a mild improvement, but I'm reminded of something that Dr. Francis Cress Welsing said. I'm not sure if it was on the program or not, but I was speaking with her and uh, she said that There is a difference between understanding white supremacy and talking about white supremacy. And you can substitute racism, whatever else. Um, That's something that I've seen consistently. Uh, Many people might use the term white supremacy, but what do they really mean? What is their understanding of what white supremacy is and how it works? Uh, And I think many people it's it's for me, it's the same way when people use the term racism, many, many people use the term racism, but they are not accurate. That's something we're going to talk about uh, later in the program. We get to American uh, denial. But many people uh, talk about racism, white people and victims of racism. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're being accurate. And I would say frequently when people even when they use the term white supremacy, they're not being uh, accurate, in terms of their presentation but i would say it is uh at least in my opinion it is a slight improvement uh it's been my experience that when people use the term white supremacy uh frequently they are a bit more accurate uh, at least the uh example that's coming to mind most immediately uh peter bailey uh he was uh a associate of minister malcolm x uh he is a black journalist long traditional black journalist Ida B. wells frederick douglas uh, and he was on Democracy Now! earlier this week, Tuesday. Uh, he was with one of Minister Malcolm's uh, daughter uh, daughters. And uh, he used the term white supremacy. In fact, he used the term white terrorism. <laughs> like, man, I was uh, ecstatic. Um, but I, he was much more accurate uh, in his presentation. And that's something that I have noted. Uh, when people use that term, white supremacy, they tend to cut uh, a lot closer to what is happening uh, and just being... Uh, truthful about the matter and not pussyfooting it, not sugarcoating it, uh, not trying to make white people comfortable, just going right to it uh, in terms of what is happening. Uh, so I wouldn't say it it uh, is a panacea. It's not going to cure everything. But at least in my general observation, uh, people being more willing to use the term white supremacy does tend to be a little bit more accuracy, but not, not always. It's, it's not anything uh, gargantuan, but mild improvement uh, in my opinion. Uh, Let's see if I can get at least uh, one more in. Uh, (laughs) uh, Let's see. Have I ever hung up on a guest? Uh, Yes. I'm trying to think. Yes. It seems like, yes, Uh, I would put a slight caveat on there. I think the times where uh, I've hung up on a guest, they had already said that they were going to leave uh, and at this point, we've had enough guests storm off the program. I was going to make a sound clip with that to get some of the different people, white and victims, white uh, racists and victims that have uh, cursed us out or cursed me out specifically and called us all kind of names and and exited um, that once a guest, particularly if it's a white person, once they say, you know, well, I'm leaving, I'm not staying anymore, uh, you know, peace out and not giving them time to make any long rants and soliloquies to promote any of their work or whatever once they get to the point where they say they're leaving peace um but yeah i think i have hung up on guests but i think it's always been they've said they're leaving they've expressed whatever disgust or outrage they have about me or the program or whomever uh and that they you know are going to exit and then i've gone ahead and you know excuse them i think uh cheryl Judice. Uh, comes to mind she is a victim of racism but she had said she was leaving and you know at that point rock and roll if you're leaving peace out uh, but i don't it's, it's no one that i can think of where i just hung up on them uh where they you know said they were down and they were asking questions and they wanted to be here uh and i just disconnected their line at least no one i can think of uh off top anywho uh, i think that is uh, a good chunk uh of uh the questions. Uh, I'll see if I can nab some more. Uh, if other folks have uh, confusion problems, feel free to drop an email untiljustice at gmail. dot com. Moving forward, uh, since Doctor Kambon and I we were discussing some of the things that happened after uh, the announcements that Michael Brown Jr.'s killer would not be indicted, as well as Eric Garner's killer, uh, I've been keeping my eye on things in st louis i know we have listeners in the st louis area and i try to just be alert to what's happening uh down there because it's you know still obviously things going on directly related to racism and indirectly and uh today uh or excuse me yesterday uh the new york times reported that uh the missouri safety official hired in ferguson aftermath quits this was a black male uh, i'll just read the report because i thought this was interesting for many reasons Uh, Missouri's public safety director appointed amid fallout from the fatal shooting of Michael Brown, Jr. by Ferguson police, a former Ferguson police officer on Wednesday announced plans to resign only six months into the job. The director, Daniel. Issam II, in a statement issued by the governor's office, said he planned to return to the University of Missouri-St. Louis, where he taught in the Department of Criminology and Criminal Justice. It has been a great honor to serve as the director of public safety during this important time, Mr. Issam said. But after a long career in law enforcement, I have found that my true passion is teaching, and I'm eager to return to my students at umsl governor jay nixon a democrat appointed mr isom who is black in august after darren wilson a white police officer in the st louis suburb of ferguson shot and killed michael brown an unarmed black 18 year old mr wilson resigned in november mr nixon has been criticized for not having enough diversity in his cabinet which at the time included no black leaders. In a statement Wednesday, he said Mr. Issam had been a strong leader for the department. Mr. Issam, a former St. Louis police chief, began the job September 1, but faced hurdles last month during his confirmation with the state Senate. The primary concern was his role in a racial discrimination lawsuit with, while police chief lawmakers eventually voted overwhelmingly in his favor. A federal jury in 2013 awarded a white police sergeant $420,000 in punitive damages over his claim that he was unfairly denied a promotion because his his superiors wanted a black female to help lead the city police academy. The jury levied $20,000 in damages against Mr. Issam, for his responsibility as police chief over the actions of other department leaders, he and other defendants have appealed. Fascinating, whites as victims, four hundred twenty thousand dollars. Hmm. Hmm. I also thought it was fascinating, or not fascinating, but uh revealing in this report what could have happened, uh Mr. Issam being appointed after all of this. Uh it could have been uh the tactic of racial showcasing whites, putting black people victims, uh, in these positions to make it look like they are in charge. Racism is not being practiced. See here, we got lots of, you know, black people that are, you know, doing things, blah, blah, blah. I think the same way that they had uh the uh State Trooper Ron Johnson uh, back after everything got hectic back in August, who was a black male uh, as well whites are, are very good at that sort of strategic planning uh, i would be I would be interested uh in talking to Mr. Issa maybe off the record or some years down the line to kind of get uh some more insight as to what transpired uh, down in Missouri over that six month period of time and kind of what happened during his whole uh confirmation period but At any rate, I thought that was an interesting piece as well. Uh, Be tuned in uh, this weekend, the compensatory call in. Uh, There is a extremely important clip uh, about uh, white enforcement officers in the St. Louis area. Uh, It is uh, right in line with Daniel Holtzclaw. Uh, Coming up this weekend, Uh, it is at least right now, that is, I think, the only clip that I can say definitely will be included uh, in the news segment for the compensatory call in. And again, my call uh, for listeners to make sure you're reading the news locally, nationally, uh, internationally, uh, as often as you possibly can. Racism, white supremacy is there. Every day, directly, indirectly, frequently, it is explicit that they're talking about racism, white supremacy. doesn't matter what part uh, of the globe uh, where you are. Just make sure that you're checking the news constantly because uh, it's right there. Whites are constantly talking about their system and, you know, things that they are uh, concerned about. Uh, that's something that at least most of the people that I take note of. Uh, who talk about racism or white supremacy and try to have racism, white supremacy and offer constructive information. Uh, That's something that I have noted. They tend to really be on the ball about checking the news uh, and reinforcing their points, their viewpoints, their theories or ideas about racism, white supremacy and what black people should be doing to counter this system with current events, things that are happening. This happened today. This happened this week. This happened this month. Uh, and I can say that Minister Malcolm X, uh, he used to be on the spot about that uh, it just consistently uh, throughout his time publicly addressing white supremacy. And this was in the newspaper. Bam, bam, bam. And, and being globally aware, I see the same thing with Dick Gregory, Dr. Francis Cress Welsing, Dr. Marimba Ani. I mean, you can point to, to any Any black person that you think has constructive information that has been a consistent trend, I have noted, they are informed about the news. Uh, And in that vein, since I just mentioned Daniel Holtzclaw, man, folks should be looking like every day. And I would even encourage uh, call CNN. They have a hotline. Dr. Welsing has done that. If you have a local newspaper, I know we have listeners uh, that are in uh, the state of Oklahoma. Be on them. The local newspaper, all of those outlets. What is up with his trial? Like, this is something that I have been checking consistently. That was supposed to be going down. That was, uh, I mentioned that when we had our program on, uh, quote unquote, New Year's Eve. Things that people should be looking out for in 2015. Daniel Holds Clause trial was one, and I have not seen any information. I haven't seen where the trial date got moved. It was supposed to start in January, and I haven't seen anything. It's almost March. Nothing. I haven't seen anything where they moved the trial date. The only thing I've seen is that uh, he has filed uh, a grievance saying that he thought he was wrongfully terminated. And he has a Facebook page uh, under his name. It looks like, you know, some of his white family members or other uh, racists put this page together to support this suspected race soldier and suspected rapist. Uh, put this page together to support him and maybe solicit donations or whatever else they can get. But uh, it's like nothing. Uh, and, and again, just hold that up. The amount of time that whites have spent bashing Bill Cosby and talking about he's a no, da- uh, no good, dirty, low down, nothing. And I'm you know, not saying you got to support Bill Cosby. He may be guilty of what he's done. I know he hadn't been charged with anything. This guy has been charged. He is facing over 30 counts and it is a struggle. Uh, to find anything. So that's something I would encourage folks to remain diligent about. Uh, if you don't live uh, in Oklahoma State, that's fine. You can you know, just check once a week or so and see if you can find any information. If you're in Oklahoma, you should be on the grind. Uh, if you're a black person in Oklahoma, that could have been your mom. That could have been your aunt. That could have been your daughter. That could have been your sister. That could have been your wife, girlfriend, you. Uh, you should be alert and looking for that information and call your local newspaper. What is up? Why is it so hard to find information about this guy? Give us an update. What's up with the court case? You should even be able to call the uh, the court and get information. That should be public information. When is the trial? Did it get moved? What's up with that? If you get any information, Please share because I would like to know and I will make sure to broadcast to listeners. But that's something that we should all we should certainly not allow to, uh, you know, just slip by us and, and get lost in the shuffle. Uh, we should be front and center about that. If you got a blog, if you got a YouTube channel program, uh, if you're interested in doing documentary films, there you go. Subject matter right there. What happened with Daniel Colesclaw? Get that information out. That is extremely uh, important. Should not be minimized. Uh, moving forward, uh, in the same vein, keeping up with the news, uh, it seems uh, Washington, D.C. did legalize cannabis uh, this week. They went ahead with it. I think it went uh, legal last night. Uh, I would point that out. Number one, uh, I think about a year ago, we did a program and some of the listeners said that they did not think that cannabis legalization was going to be something that got widespread. Uh, At the time that we were talking about this last year, it was only legal in Colorado and Washington State where I am. Uh, And these are states that do not have teeming populations of black people. And folks said that they didn't think that this was going to leak out and spread to other areas where you have higher numbers of black people, even though it has dropped with racial dislocation i.e. gentrification the number of black people that reside in washington dc has dropped uh and that trend is probably going to continue i don't think too many folks would say that there are no black people in washington dc so the number has increased to five and i would say that that number is going to continue to rise i know uh california they're looking at putting that on the ballot again uh next year i think for 2016 they said they were going to wait for uh the presidential election because you get a higher uh voter turnout uh during those times about cannabis legalization i would probably bet the farm that it's going to pass this time uh this they have tried it before it failed i would be willing to bet it's going to pass if they put it on the uh the ballot for next uh november 2016 november strongly suspect that it's going to pass. And I think you have a sizable population of black people in California as well. So uh, I would say, at least at this point, the folks who said that that was not going to spread cannabis legalization, that that was not going to spread and become something that was going to leak out and be in more and more states. At least right now, it looks like that was incorrect. Uh, There has been opposition to it in D.C., and you've got whites in Congress who are still shaking their finger and upset and saying that D.C. uh, shouldn't be doing this and that they're going to retaliate. But it went legal last night. I will keep my eye on it to see how all of that evolves. You got a black uh, female mayor in D.C., so I certainly could see whites making trouble for her. But you can add that to the list now. Washington state, Colorado, Alaska, Oregon, Washington, D.C., five uh, states and I guess locales with D.C., Uh, Where it is legal, I suspect that to spread. And no, I do not think that's going to uh, radically solve any problems for black people under the system of white supremacy. Not that I want to see any black people getting uh, locked up or charged or having their lives ruined uh, over a small amount of uh, cannabis, whether it's possession, consumption, whatever the case may be. Just I do not think this is going to whites are doing this to solve the problem of racism, white supremacy. I could be in error. Definitely keep an eye on how all of this evolves. Uh, with that, um, there was a documentary film, PBS, uh, I have recommended consistently. They have a lot of documentaries that I think are pretty constructive uh, about racism. Uh, we've had some of the filmmakers who've had their work uh, on PBS on the program. Uh, we had uh, the documentary Let the Fire Burn uh, from last summer that was about the MOVE organization uh, in Pennsylvania. Great Information uh, We talked about that on the program uh, this past summer. Uh, Lacey Schwartz, uh, victim of racism. She does have a white parent. She was on with us at the end of 2014. Her documentary is supposed to be on in March. Uh, so I'm definitely looking forward to seeing that. Um, this is, it's been tons of uh, documentaries that they have that are pretty good. Even the documentary that they have on minister Malcolm, uh, make it plain. Uh, it's about two hours and change. Great information. They have a lot of documentaries that, uh, offer great insight and reveal a lot of, of truth about the system of white supremacy. That being said, slavery by another name uh, is another one. We had Douglas Blackman on the program in 2010. That being said, American Denial is not one of them. Uh, that uh, film, I can't even I don't even know if I could recommend that people watch it. Uh, it's not that long. It's not even an hour, but it just is not constructive at all. Uh, it's basically uh, almost kind of a biography on uh, Gunnar Myrdal, this racist suspect uh, who was born in Sweden, uh, he wrote the book American Dilemma. Uh, it's been talked about before on the program. He has that quote where he says uh, uh, the system of segregation, white supremacy, is is based around sex. Uh, that's the quote that uh, Danielle, uh, Danielle McGuire has at the beginning of her book, uh, At the Dark End of the Street, that talks about the long history of Daniel Holtzclaw and raping racist white men, terrorizing, sexually terrorizing black females, uh, including Rosa Parks and Fannie Lou Hamer, uh, Joan Little's long list uh, of black females who have been subjected uh, to this sexual terror from White men, but she has his quote at the beginning of her book. Uh, Also, uh, the book Race Beat uh, that talks about the history of Black journalists uh, also has uh, Gunnar Myrdal and him talking about the importance of having more media outlets that are talking about racism, and that that would help solve the problem, so that more people are informed. I would just have to change that so that more Black people are adequately informed about racism white supremacy and strategy suggestions for how to solve this problem uh but that was something else that i thought was important but this documentary is it is horrendous um michelle alexander is in it she wrote uh the book about the new jim crow which got a lot of publicity she has a white parent Uh, it has a lot of other uh white people and non-white people that talk and write uh, about racism but it's just that goes back to what i said before many people talk about racism Very few people are accurate when they talk about racism. And of course, that is my assessment of what is accurate. It might be that I am just in error. It might be that my assessment is is off and they're accurate and I'm wrong. Maybe that's the case, but I don't think so. Um, I can't even point to very many things in the film uh, that were of constructive value. Uh, because it spent so much time just focused on Gunnar Myrdal and his family life and, you know, his reflections uh, on his life as he aged and, you know, him hanging out with Dr. King uh, down the road after he finished his study and all this other, you know, silliness. Uh, and it, it did a lot of suggesting that whites are just not aware, like they spend all this time on the uh, implicit bias and saying that white people are just not consciously racist. They are unconsciously racist, which you know, in my it's hogwash. That is just uh the biggest <laughs> bit of malarkey and it's dangerous in my opinion because it suggests that somehow if we just can get white people to be more aware, more informed, that these unconscious uh biases are at work and are influencing uh their behavior, uh that we can change all of this. And I've just concluded that nothing can be further from the truth. At any rate, uh this is a sound clip. Uh, It's about a five minute segment of the film uh, that reveals quite a bit. This is really, if I had to stream and pick, like this would be probably the most constructive aspect of the film. The rest of it, it's nonsense. It's not even something that I would uh, recommend. I don't even know if it would be worth my time to write a review to just say that this was nonsense and not accurate, but this is a five minute segment where you can uh, hear some of the things that they discussed. Once it's done, uh, I'll give a, a few tidbits of my deconstruction of this segment uh, and even some of the other things that uh, happened towards the end of the film but this uh, this aired on uh, Monday evening uh, Dr. Kanban even uh, told me about it they had an article in the New York Times that they really blowed it up and, and tried to get people to check this out and watch this part of black history to go back and review all of this uh, you can check it out online I posted the link on my Facebook page it's in the Facebook group uh, for the cows I put it on Twitter as well so you can check it out online if you are so interested but I definitely got to make sure I get in again it is not very good not very accurate at all. Uh, so this is uh, independent lens, American denial, context of white supremacy.
5: Gunner came back to New York from the South in 1938. And he was completely depressed. And he said, I can't do this myself, it's just too big and it's too controversial. The Carnegie Corporation said, no, you're the foreign observer. We brought you over here to look at this with fresh eyes, and that's what you're going to do. But, of course, you can have a staff of American social
0: scientists. Myrdal's only black researcher on his second trip to the South is Ralph Bunch, who's a political scientist. And one of the interesting things about Ralph Bunch is that he's from Southern California, and in a way, he's an outsider, too. So like Myrdal, he's coming into the South with fresh eyes. But on the matter of the American creed, the two saw things differently. Myrdal thought of the American creed as a state religion. Bunch wasn't so sure.
5: Ralph Bunch told him straight out that white Americans have this mumbo-jumbo about rights and liberty and the American creed, and they utter it in, a, in an almost hypnotized way. But it doesn't affect their actual behavior. ¶¶ So Gunner went back through the South in 1939. Ralph Bunch helped him to get access to communists, convicts on chain gangs, and the guards that watched over them. People who normally didn't talk to white social investigators. And they really had no idea what his perspective was. And so They were willing to answer this very earnest, energetic, boundlessly curious Swedish visitor who pretended not to have any knowledge of the subject.
6: He would ask them questions, questions they were not used to. He was much more courageous than most of us would be in walking up to people and asking them about their lives.
0: Theodore Bilbo, the racist Mississippi senator, who introduced on the floor of the Senate a bill to send black people back to Africa. He talks about how it's important to keep the black people in their place and it's important to make sure that, you know, they don't get too uppity. And Gunnar Myrdal, trying to provoke him, says, well, you know... There's an easy way you could handle that. Why don't you just sterilize them? And even Bilbo says, oh, well, that would never go over in America. That would violate some fundamental rights that they have.
5: Bunch couldn't stay in the same hotel with all. Bunch was light skinned, but um, he was black. He generally observed the segregation laws as he had to in order to do his research. He would often stay at the home of a doctor or some other middle-class person in the black community because there were no hotels for African-Americans in many of these small southern towns. Meridahl conceded to me that, and I quote, I was rather careless with Ralph's life. It was just in his nature to push to the edge of every situation. He talked to a woman who, uh, Mrs. Andrews, who was head of the, the very small white women's racist group. She was going on and on and on about all that young black men wanted is to rape white women.
0: And Mirdal listens and he listens and he listens.
5: Then at one point he
0: asked her, Have you ever considered Freud's argument? If you're obsessed with a thing, if you're afraid of a thing, that's the thing you really desire. And she thinks about it. And then she kicks them out of the house. And then she makes a report to the police, and they have to hightail it out of Georgia.
6: My father would go up. To white segregationists, and he would ask them about their views, and he would say, Isn't this rather like what's happening in Germany right now with the Jews? Oh no! He would always sort of see that they would be shocked that you could even make a comparison like that, and then he would go closer and probe and say, Well, what's so different exactly? The reality was that there were so many people who, on the basis of race, did not have the equality at all. He argued that there was a kind of opportunistic way of simply blocking out, of not seeing the reality. You could continue endorsing the ideals.
4: Context of white supremacy. Um, as I said, uh, that would probably be the most constructive uh, segment uh, or at least interesting segment uh, out of the film. Um, that's only about an hour. Uh, I thought it was extremely important talking about this suspected racist uh, and Gunnar Myrdal uh, and how uh, careless he was with Ralph Bunch's life. Uh, this is a black male. Uh, them going down in this area to do this. I think that the film also, at least in my view uh, it, it, falls into that same cliche of presenting it as though racism, white supremacy is only a problem in the quote-unquote South, as though this is not a global system. Uh, We have had guests on from Sweden, uh, several of them, in fact, now that I'm thinking about it, uh, even talking about racism, white supremacy there, and how they have uh, their own long history of practicing racism uh, against Black people, non-white people in that area, which continues right up to this day. They just had a report on uh, NPR and talking about they have this, what they call... uh, The rise of uh, right wing politics uh, in Sweden and how they don't want all these uh, immigrants, non-white people uh, and black. Like I said, we've done tons of programs on this at any rate. But there's a lot of that uh, in the program. They do point out some of the incidents of white terrorism. They call them race riots uh, from 1919 in Chicago and different uh, northern areas. They might have mentioned uh, Detroit, in 1943 during World War Two in passing, but they didn't spend a lot of time on it. It's really more focused to uh, in the South. And that's, you know, just another part of the the nonsense of why there's so much confusion. Uh, but I thought it was uh, just flat out flawed uh, when they're presenting and saying, well, Gunnar Murdahl is questioning these folks and saying, well, uh, he's going to Mississippi, former Mississippi Governor Bilbo and saying, well, why don't you sterilize black people? And they said, oh, that wouldn't uh, that wouldn't pass. That wouldn't be acceptable. That is a flat out lie. Uh, You had a enormous eugenics program uh, in this area of the world for a half century, at least. Uh, and I would argue it continues to this day, just not in name. But I mean, if you have any knowledge of Mark, exactly what we talked about with MAFA 21. Margaret Sanger, Planned Parenthood. This was rejoiced. Uh, We did the whole program. We had uh, Elaine Riddick's son on the program, Tony Riddick, Black Male, uh, where he talked about how his mom in North Carolina, Mr. Scotty Reed uh, in North Carolina, where she was sterilized. Uh, She had uh, one child, but they sterilized her uh, so that she couldn't have. Uh, any more children uh, and did this without her knowledge and it long undeniable records. So, I mean, that's just nonsense and, and totally a lie to say that that sort of thing would not uh, be acceptable or would not be possible here. They were doing it at the time that he uh, was proposing this question. It was happening. And after World War II, increasingly happening to black people exclusively, Uh, the state of North Carolina, that was just in the news in 2014, where they were talking about uh, trying to get compensation for the victims that are still alive, who went through this, who were abused in this manner. And they don't even they didn't even want to adequately compensate the victims. I remember we just played an audio clip where they were talking about some of the black victims uh, in this. They said, well, you don't have the proper paperwork. You don't have the official documentation to show that uh, you were sterilized and that this was state sanctioned. So since you don't have uh, that correct piece of paper, we're not going to compensate you at all. Tough luck. You know, if that did happen to you, oh, well, uh, they didn't play that. up. They didn't talk about that at all. And I'm sure if. I know about this and many of our guests and people that have, you know, participated in the program, they are informed. This is PBS. You got resources, you got money, you got a research staff, you got interns. I'm sure that they know about this if they have not done documentaries and programs on this. Uh I also thought it wasn't in the clip, but just in my view this pattern of them not being accurate, them not giving full information uh, just about what we're talking about. As I said before, where p- many people talk about racism, but they're not accurate when they talk about racism. Uh, later, when it gets towards the end of the program, they bring up uh stop and frisk, what they call stop and frisk in New York. And they talk about the court decision from 2013, where they said, well, this is unconstitutional. They didn't include that this practice continues in New York. They never said that they were going to get rid of it. They just said that they were going to alter it so that it didn't continue operating in the same fashion. That right there, in my view, was another aspect of racism, white supremacy. And that's why I said I wouldn't really I couldn't recommend uh, this documentary just because there are too many flaws, there are too many errors, uh, and just anything that is strongly promoting the notion that whites are just not aware. They're ignorant. They're not doing this consciously. They're not doing this Deliberately. They just have the all of this uh, unconscious bias that they're just not aware of. That is extremely dangerous, uh, in my opinion, and something that uh black people, in my view, need to divest from immediately. Uh but I think that's that is about as much time as I would be willing to invest uh in uh American denial, period, uh, which just a poor documentary. The filmmakers, uh, at least the people that are credited. Uh, it's one black male and two white females. So it doesn't surprise me that this is, you know, a lot of nonsense. Uh the black male, he's a victim, you know, victim, victim uh <laughs> VGQ, but uh the white women involved with this project I have uh already contacted uh Christine Herbs Sommers. Uh she's the producer for this film. Uh, I've contacted her and I'm hoping that we can get her on the program. Uh, One of the other white women who's credited as a uh, producer for this film, uh, Kelly Thompson, I have not contacted her, but uh, I think I will get on that as well. Hopefully we can get at least one uh, of the two on the program to ask them some serious questions about uh, what they were doing with this film project. Uh, Moving forward. Um, I guess two quick things I'll get, and then I'll make time for folks to uh, participate again. Uh, for folks who are having difficulties on the job, if you want to get that in, absolutely would like to hear about that uh, and or folks who uh, thinks it was a workplace situation where folks were having some difficulties with uh, other victims. Uh, if you want to share on that, definitely would uh, be willing to make time for that. The number again, 760-569-7676 and the code is 564-943-POUND. Press star six if you would like to participate. Uh, Number one, I was reminded because it came up yesterday. We were talking about uh, World War Two and so-called Jews uh, and how they behaved during that time. I was reminded I'd heard this before, but uh, from several different folks. But it just it came to me after the program uh, that there are reports that so-called Jews, uh, when they were liberated, Right. When whites from this area of the world and uh, the allied powers, as they are called when they came in to uh, nab these folks out of the uh, concentration camps and other setups uh, that many of them, they did not want to leave. Like they had to be uh, I I wouldn't say forced, but they had to kind of be like nudged out uh, of these uh, being in this confinement uh, because they had been so victimized and traumatized. And I thought that was extremely uh, important uh, just to. Get that voiced once again, I think it uh people can easily lose sight of what happens when you are subjected to terrorism uh and how you end up responding once you have been uh subjected to terrorism uh that like i said I, that has been uh reported several times uh where i've seen that where when they the liberating force came in. Some of you black people reported this when they came in, uh, that they were just so beaten down and traumatized that they, you know, just refused. They had, because they had been told, uh, by the Nazis, white supremacists, white terrorists, you head towards that gate, you're going to die. And even reports, you know, people, uh, going towards the gate would get shot and they would leave the body up as a form of intimidation, a la Michael Brown Jr. down in Ferguson. Uh, and so you've been subjected to this for years Uh, That even once the foe had been vanquished, the Nazis had been defeated. They are still operating according to their conditioning, their terrorist grooming. Uh, So it should not be a surprise if black people, victims of racism function in the same manner in 2015, where we are still being subjected to that same form of abuse. But that was uh, important. And it was just something that came to my mind after uh, after we were off the program yesterday evening. Uh, with Dr. Randolph, where we were talking about uh, the uh, World War II situation with so-called Jews. Uh, the last uh, bit I'll get in uh, before I nab some of the folks who uh, might have a question, comment, definitely the workplace racism, uh, or I guess two things, because the school uh, information, I got uh, details on that as well. Um, the police black enforcement officers uh, that had come up on the weekend program, and we should have a broadcast broadcast, uh, this coming Monday, uh, with a black female, she is a former, uh, enforcement officer and has a pretty, uh, detailed experience about her time as an officer and things she observed, things she experienced and her reflections on all of that. Uh, but just thinking about it, um, to me, I do not see any logic, uh, in the folks who take the position that, uh, black people, uh, are sellouts or they have done something incorrect. Uh, By making an effort to be an enforcement officer, I just don't see any logic in that at all. I could be in error, but at least from the folks who presented that perspective, it's just it's not logical to me. Uh, I don't think most of the black people who become enforcement officers, I don't think most of them are going out and killing black people. Uh, I don't think most of them are going out and actively terrorizing uh, black people. Uh, I have seen reports and even a lot of these have been more recent because of everything that's uh, happened over the last six months where they said they made an effort to become enforcement officers to try to work against racism. Uh, And they talked about how that worked out for them and how difficult uh, it was and and all of the trauma that they experienced uh, in trying to do this as a black person in a system of white supremacy. But to me, it just it does not make sense at all. Um, If folks take the position that black people should not be enforcement officers at all. Well, that's the way it was for many, 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 many years. uh, We've done whole programs uh, where we talked about how white people had laws like that was a part of. Uh, The fight against racism for black people to say, hey, we want black enforcement officers. We're tired of having all of these racist whites coming in and terrorizing and abusing us. You had a whole lot of people who were working uh, to try to see if you could get some black people uh, on what they call the force. Uh, and even stories, once they did this, the racism that they experienced where they would not allow black officers to arrest a white person, uh, they would have to call uh, a white officer in if it was a white person committing a crime. They have to call some white person, a white officer to come in and, and do the arrest because they wouldn't allow them to do this, that they have reports that this taking place in Louisiana, California, even Huey P. Newton uh, talks about when he moved to California with his uh, family, uh, that his black father was friends with another black person. And that black person was a police officer and his father got upset because they wouldn't allow black officers to arrest white people. Uh, So for at least for me, the logic is just not there. And for me, it seems to be a part of a pattern where it's it's the it just sounds very similar to the presentation. The reasoning that I hear when folks are upset with black athletes or black politicians or black supervisors, Uh, it's just an endless list uh, of these black people, whatever they're doing. They're helping whites. They're doing whatever to mistreat black people. And so I'm going to view them as white people or I'm going to say that they've been reclassified as white or whatever. You know, forget them. I don't feel bad for them. And, you know, down with them. They're they're the worst of the worst. Uh, I don't see how that solves any problems. Uh, Most of the people that I've heard where they take that position that black people shouldn't be enforcement officials or I don't like black enforcement officials. I haven't heard what should be done. Uh, About these folks, other than saying that black people shouldn't be enforcement officers, which would just be a return to the way it was for most of the system of racism, white supremacy. Uh, And again, everybody is supporting the system of racism, white supremacy. I don't I don't know why people would say, well, hey, I'm going to take any black person. If you work for a cigarette company, uh, you're nothing. You're the worst of the worst. You're like a racist. You're just like a white person. You're supporting black death. Cigarettes kill a lot of black people and are designed to kill a lot of black people. Dr. Vanilla Randall. She has that information in her book, dying while black. That's one of the first programs that we did way back in 2009. And she talks about how they would strategically deliberately market menthol cigarettes, Newports to black people because they know those are more addictive. They're more dangerous. They're going to do more harm to you. So why not take the position? Any black person, you work for a cigarette company, you, uh, even if you just drive the truck, you go around and you stock, you know, different stores so that black people can buy these cigarettes and mess up their lungs. So they get lung cancer and throat cancer and mouth cancer and all this other stuff and shorten their life expectancy so they can't take care of their children and lead healthy, productive lives and use their creator given talents to work against racism. Why not take that position? Why not take the position? any black person you work in the school? System, and I have heard this from some people. You're a black person and you work in the school system in any capacity. You're just like a white person. I mean, it's just an endless argument, uh, in my opinion, my view, uh, that you could pretty much attack any black person that you want for anything that they're doing. Uh, At the end of the day, it should be about replacing white supremacy with justice. The problem is white people. If a black person is doing something incorrect in any capacity, I wouldn't care if it's teacher, enforcement officer, officer, Uh, soda machine vendor whatever uh, that should be called out we should be about justice we should be about people doing the correct thing I think some of this conversation came up uh, during the discussion about the black female officer in Missouri where she turned off the camera that is not just that is not a correct act and I would hope people hope due process takes place, if that is indeed a violation, then all right, let's deal with it in that manner. But I just I just don't see the logic. I just, To me, it seems like a consistent pattern of we can find a whole lot of reasons to go after different victims of racism for things that they are doing that are quote-unquote helping white people. Every single person listening to this conversation, every single black person under the system of white supremacy is helping whites maintain their system in some way, shape or form. So, unless you're going to point that finger back at you and start looking at some of the ways that you, on your job and in other facets of your life, are also aiding the system of white supremacy, I just don't see how that's going to solve any of our problems to, you know, jump up and down and go after black police officers. Tomorrow we'll go after black supervisors. The next day we'll go after, you know, black politicians and whoever else is, uh, you know, the black no good Nick of the week. Uh, it just seems uh, like it's not moving towards solving the problem and dealing with the folks who are responsible for all of this in the first place. But this conversation will definitely come up again on Monday when we have a former black enforcement officer. Uh, We had a person who uh, actually wrote about this as well. Uh, Our retired firefighter. I don't think he would have a problem. You're supposed to stand by your work anyway, but I don't think uh, he would have a problem with me uh, sharing what he wrote in. Uh, His, his commentary was, um, No matter what employment under the system of white supremacy you are allowed to have, you are classified as non-white. Logic states you can only be a victim of white supremacy. Deception is the number one weapon of white supremacy, and its main effect on non-white victims is confusion. This confusion can come in the form of anti-blackness. The global system of white supremacy results mean that non-white victims are going to aid mistreatment of each other through thought, speech, and action in our confused state and not practice counter-racism and neutralize the power that white people have to practice racism. My experience tells me that non-white black people should spend our time of examining ourselves individually, critically, and not another victim. Truth be told, we have all contributed to aiding white supremacy in all areas of people activity. Lastly, I would remind anyone that enforcement officials work on an international, national and local base. Uh, and he goes on to talk about some of the non-white people that I think many of us know who have been enforcement officials in one capacity or Another. Uh, Even uh, Mr. Neely Fuller, he said uh, he said that he, too, worked as an enforcement official. So, yeah, just to make sure I include that as well, he can chime in if he uh, is listening or down the road uh, if he chooses to dial in again. But he shared that as well. I could be in error. I'm sure he would encourage folks as well to think, come to your best conclusion. And again, regardless of where you come down that on that position. What should be done? That's the question that I consistently ask, whether we're talking about black supervisors, black police officers, whomever. What should be done that will solve problems without creating new problems? Anything. And this is just one I'll throw in. Also, anything that's leading towards I'm not going to empathize with this black person. I'm not going to sympathize with this black person. That just sounds like standard white supremacy programming. We have been groomed not to condition. Excuse me. We have been groomed not to empathize with black people anyway. So that's not a deviation at all from what the standard uh, programming is to not think well of this black person, to not empathize with them, to not have any concern for them. That's 24 seven anyway. So that's that's not very progressive in my viewpoint. But, hey, I could be in error. Uh, The last thing. Uh, That I'll make sure I include uh, before we uh, hit the phone lines. I'm so thankful. Uh, One of our listeners heard the broadcast yesterday where we were talking about one of our listeners in uh, upstate New York, where she was requesting information about uh, African centered schools uh, for black children, either if they're already some of these academies in place, or if there are black parents who live in upstate New York, Dutchess County specifically. Uh, that would be interested in starting some sort of uh, school, homeschool, alternative school program uh, for black children. Uh, And I thought that was fantastic. Uh, I was hoping, you know, we could contribute. One of our listeners wrote in. I'm just going to share the information uh, that she wrote in uh, in case, you know, we have other folks who are in upstate New York who might be interested or want to check this out. She wrote, she said, Uh, There are schools in New York State owned by black people, Um, the New York and New Jersey directory of independent schools owned by African-Americans. The Tucson Institute Fund includes East Coast boarding schools edited by Gail E. Foster. The book was from 1997 and most of the schools are now closed. I think the Tucson Institute Fund does not exist either, but should uh, she should call the schools listed in the book and ask whether any black owned schools exist in her area. If she's unable to find the book, um, our listener is willing to copy it uh, and send it, uh, and we can get that information to her. Uh, The website that she lists uh, for the author who wrote the book, uh, her name is Gail E. Foster. Gail E. Foster, and she has a website at columbia.edu where you can check it out and get more information. Uh, The number listed for the Tucson Institute Fund is 917- 587 5, uh, Again, nine one seven five eight seven five six two eight. Uh, and then she goes on to list several uh, different groups uh, that you can check out. The uh, Upstate Nile Valley, uh, Nile Valley. Shul, S, uh, I guess it's Nile Valley School. Uh, that's in upstate New York Redemption Christian Academy, uh, Sister Clara Muhammad School, uh, and then they have different uh, website links, but I can send that information. I'm going to send that information to the listener who wanted that specific info, and then if there are other folks who are in the New York State area, uh, if you would like the uh, the info that she shared, I can just kind of copy and paste it, and share if folks uh, are interested if this would be of some constructive value, but uh, I'll follow up on that myself and see if I can uh, track down uh, any of these folks if they have information to share, but definitely thank you uh, for listening in, participating, and uh, hopefully that will help uh, some black parents uh, aid their children and not have to send them off to the killing fields. Uh, With that, I will pause uh, if folks have uh, thoughts they need to get in about uh anything that's been shared thus far, and as I said, workplace racism definitely uh down to make time for that. any of our listeners who are having uh frustrations on the job uh, if you you know wanted to share what happened your observations uh and or suggestions on how to deal uh with that, definitely uh dial in always looking forward to uh having time for workplace racism uh the folks that uh chimed in thus far. Uh, uh, just everyone who dialed in with a hand up your line should be open for the people who uh, dialed in thus far.
2: Can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Hi. Uh, thank you for doing this today. You know, I know putting on all these shows, it must be a tremendous amount of work, but it's definitely appreciated. And um, I don't even know where to begin. So uh, as far as my workplace racism, I'm, I'm kind of fed up. And um, But unfortunately, I'm not independently wealthy, so I can't just quit. But, um, you know, the company I work for every, you know, Few months we reorganize, and it always it happens that um, you know I'm I'm in sales, and my territory is doing well, and I get to move to another territory that's not doing so well, and um, you know it gets old. But the interesting thing in in this this time is that there's one customer that um, has a volume of like oh I would say. Uh, probably about forty or fifty customers, and I'd had him before. And when I had him before, I had to follow all the rules. I c- could not appear to be favoring him over anybody else. They'd watch the amount of samples I left with him. You know, they, you know, I got written up for leaving too many, even though he requested it on and on and on. And after I had left, all those rules vanished. The people that they put in my place, they managed to get promotions and win um, the um, trips. And, and doing all these things, I was strictly you know, told never to do. So, okay, I'm back in the area. And um, they're not so much um, enforcing the rules about the samples. However, I was supposed to be on a team to launch a new product. Well, they can't do that because, you know, um, in the past, you know, this guy's done very well, and that's how they got the people for promotions because they were just assigned to him. In my area, I would have like maybe 10 or 15 customers, you know, using the product. All they had to have was that one, and they would get the promotion. And so that's what I kind of think is going on right now. And my uh, new coworker, she's just, um, almost like those two ladies, just, you know, real nice, but, you know, just, you know, all these little jigs all the time. And then today, we're, you know, with customers, and she's um, making comments, well, um, you ought to do this, or why don't you talk to them about that particular topic? And, you know, I'm looking at her, well, you know, I know they know we're in here for sales, but we're really supposed to pretend that we're not, right? Can't be so blatant about it. And so, you know, I didn't say anything until, um, you know, after we were done and then I um, called her back on the phone. She threw a fit. Basically, how dare I question her? She's been, you know, basically putting up with me all the time and, you know, she didn't think it was fair. She started crying. You know, look, uh, and, and barely let me get a word in. You know, I never really got to tell her what my issue was, but she starts crying. And so then um, we are supposed to go to another meeting, and then she said that she didn't want me to come because she was too upset. And I said, fine, I'm not coming. <laughs> I'm not talking to you. And so, um, and that's that number one customer. And so... I don't know if she called the supervisor. She probably did. And this goes on with uh, one of those incidents where we're supposed to be doing this silly stuff for um, our meeting next week and putting together this video and, you know, wearing this Caribbean garb with bananas on her head and brass skirt. And uh, she's been picking me all week trying to figure out if I was going or not. And, uh, you know, because if you go, then you're good teamwork, you know, you're participating, but if you don't go, then, you know, and, and most, nine times out of ten, when they do this stuff, I don't show up, so, so now I'm stuck in this dilemma. I kind of said, well, maybe I better go before she goes and tells somebody her story, and um, it, it's definitely, <laughs> you know, kind of going to make me look bad not to show up, but I don't. I know I can't deal with her. You know, it's just the way she says stuff. You know. Oh well. You know. I. I like. I totally misinterpret what she does. Well. You know. You. You don't. Especially in front of a customer, you don't just say. Well. You go and do. You know. You go and do this. I can't exactly say what we do. And. Uh, you know. Give them. You know. This. This particular bit of information. We can't do that. So I'm just uh, very frustrated. I'm thinking about calling the, um, what do they call it? We have this um, program called, what is it called Employee Assistance Program. and calling them and telling them that I'm so stressed out. I can't function. I can't do anything. And, you know, they can, uh, <laughs> they'll give me, they'll, uh, I can be off work for a while. I can, uh, uh They'll give me like free visits with a a counselor, and then um, you know now outside of my health insurance is you know totally free, and uh, that's what, what I'm thinking about doing right now because I just don't want to deal with that you know I just don't want to deal with this anymore.
4: Hmm. I'm not surprised, but uh, I'm started here, uh, you're having to, to tolerate, deal with all of that um, racism uh, is what it is on the job. Um, I, I had specific questions just trying to process, but uh, I'll just point out for listeners that crying, what, the weeping white woman? We have talked about that consistently. Uh, even uh, reminds me of Susan Patton and uh, Ashlyn Sullivan, uh, the, well, she's not a suspect, Um these white women that we've had on the program uh, of in 2015, uh, where they both did the same thing uh, and going to play the victim and it gets switched around. And uh, I don't they didn't start crying specifically, but or maybe they did off the program. Who knows? Um, but that is a consistent pattern uh, where they are very good at that sort of thing. at switching it around that uh, either you're the aggressor or you're mean or you're disrespectful or you're racist. Uh, you are mistreating me and, and I'm just so frustrated. And, and the crime, we've heard that. I think even some of our listeners, I uh, think Joe in DC uh, had shared the same uh, sort of situation before where he had a white woman uh, where I think she was his supervisor or manager or whatever the case may be. And uh, she started crying uh, where they were trying to, to talk and, and resolve an issue. And she started crying and getting real hysterical. Uh, that's definitely something folks should be, Uh, mindful of and just never be surprised uh, if that sort of thing happens, particularly if you are being mistreated and you are trying to get that resolved uh, in terms of just asking questions to get this problem solved. And somehow it gets switched around where this person is crying and acting like they are the victim and being mistreated Do not be surprised. You should almost expect it and, you know, have a codified manner of how you're going to try and go about dealing with it. Um, I guess just for processing like trying to understand the different cuz it seems like there are different different things uh happening in terms of you being moved to uh likely a less profitable area with fewer sales opportunities or what have you and then the crazy I don't even know what that is the wearing bananas or whatever costume stuff uh they're trying to promote or encourage you uh to participate in and and some of the other things like just trying to process uh, one at a time, which is something I would also encourage. That's why I, I encourage folks to have that workplace journal, because it, it can it can be overwhelming. It's designed to do that. It's designed. I'm sure there are so many people listening who can empathize with your situation where they say, I've, I have been in the same situation. If they're not in that exact situation right now, uh, where it's designed to have you overwhelmed, frustrated and just totally at your wits end. That is by racist design. Uh, at least for me, I found it can be helpful uh if you can just kind of compartmentalize uh so you can just deal one at a time even if it's just processing one at a time to work through uh each you know individual situation as opposed to just having you where you get frazzled and you and you can't even deal um i guess like what's if you've prioritized like what is the the like number one problem uh that you know you you would like to kind of have resolved on the job not saying that like we're problem solving but just if you were processing it in that manner if that makes sense like what is the the number one issue that you feel like you're dealing with
2: all right now i think the number one issue is my partner because um you know i she's doing you know little things and i think it's all is like sabotage things And, um, you know, I made a mistake of letting her get away with stuff. And um, it's just, you know, gotten out of hand. And um, this this Saturday is where we're all supposed to meet to do this skit thing. And um, so I guess that would be secondary. I guess I could not show, but. I'm afraid to not show because she's going to have ample time to tell everybody all the stuff I've done, you know. And, and, that, and so, so, I, so they, they're kind of interconnected, but, um, but, you know, kind of dealing with her. She actually told me today that she's Mexican. And, I, but, uh, you know, you would never guess, never guess. She, she doesn't speak Spanish. But today she told me she's Mexican, so I don't know why she told me that out of the blue. Um, and I don't know what it's supposed to mean, but she did say that. So. But she, she had been asking me if I was going to attend that event or not. Oh, I know she said. She said that she, you know, this is before we kind of got into the tip. She said that it would look better if if. if both of us didn't show up, didn't have one of us show up. And so I don't, I don't know what she's going to do. She's probably going to show up, but I don't know. I just can't. I can't go in there and have her, you know, she basically embarrassed me in front of one of the customers, and she tried to tell me she didn't. Oh, no, we had, I, I was whispering, you know. I said, no, and, and it's not the first time she's done that. So I should not have allowed it to go on, you know, more than once, but uh, with her being um, kind of the favored one, because even if she's uh, claiming to be Mexican, I'm still the black one, and so I'm the one that's going to be the problem.
4: Wow, that uh, Mexican thing? Uh, I suspect, at least in my view, I think for me, that's just further evidence that white people are not ignorant. Uh, they are very knowledgeable about racism, white supremacy. This is deliberate, willful, conscious terrorism and abuse of black people um, that they will try and slip that in uh, that I'm Mexican or I'm Latino or I'm Hispanic or Uh, you know, step and fetch it is my, you know, great uncle or whatever other sort of nonsense to try to make you think that I'm not a white person. Uh, I think that's that's the reason, in my view, for why they would make statements like that and why I've heard that from other white people. And I've I've heard that even within the context that we're talking about racism, especially uh, when it starts to sound like, hey, I think racism is a problem. And I think you, madam, you, sir are practicing racism. Uh, it's, well, wait a minute, I'm not even white. You know, I'm I'm Latino and, and, and my cousin. I think that's what that is. I think that's why she made that statement because she knows she's practicing racism against you and she's trying to uh, confuse. And, uh, you know, hopefully that you will not be figuring out that that's what it is. Um, with the sabotaging, like you said, that she had been uh, doing things to try to sabotage you uh, consistently uh, where you, you felt like you had, had kind of been allowing this to go on, embarrassing you in front of uh, clients where you said today wasn't the first time that that had happened. Um, What are, what like specific, like what is she doing to, to sabotage you on the job? And are you now stepping up to, to every time where she does something incorrect, uh, pointing that out that, you know, this is, this is incorrect behavior. This is something that shouldn't be done in the workplace. Well,
2: well, today I did. <laughs> so, but, yeah, she's been like, um, we have, you know, these customer meetings. And, you know, she's been in this area for many, many years, and I'm new to the area. I've never worked in this area before. And so, you know, she knows everybody, and they know her. And, um, see, that that's the first thing, because she, you know, wasn't really taking me around and introducing me. So I've been kind of um, just you know, making my own introductions, just, you know, getting out there and, and doing what I, what you know, Since she's not helping me, which is what I used to do when people, you know, people came to my area, so, so that's fine. But, um, like, I schedule these meetings, and then the next thing I know, she's, um, well, see, another mistake I made, because she was being so friendly, she said that, you know, it would be a good idea to share calendars. So that way, you know, we can keep track of what's going on a little bit easier. And I said, okay. Well, appointments that I schedule ended up uh, being her appointment. Yeah, somehow or another. And, uh, you know, at first I didn't think anything too much of it. I said, well, we'll both be there, so it shouldn't matter. Well, our manager kind of made the comment, about her having so so many of these appointments, that she you know, you know really uh, you know working so hard, she's just you know, you know she has, and I know she has a lot more than me because she's been taking all of mine. <laughs> so that's another thing I shouldn't let her do. And so that was that was another thing I brought up today that I you know, because. That's, what, that's the first thing that happened today. Because this appointment that we went to, I had kind of taken it back, you know. And uh, so so that probably kind of set the tone. She was, like, ready for me when I, you know, when I got there. Or when, you know, I actually got there first. She was ready for me because I'd already, you know, because she... I had scheduled two appointments today, and she was going to take both of them. And I and I told her no, and so, um, so so that's what happened. So and I told her I scheduled some more, but I didn't. Uh, I I, I um, uh, rescinded her access to my calendar because I had appointments disappear, totally disappear, wow. and then I find out that she had um, you know had taken care of them. Not from her. She she still hasn't told me it's from the customer that I wasn't there and what happened and um, well didn't she tell you? Nope. I, I have yet to hear about it. So that's when I kind of realized that you know she's kind of sabotaging things and I have to be more uh, more on my toes, be more uh, you know, not really uh, take her you know because she she seems to like she her her presentations that, oh, she's a little slow and a little, you know, doesn't really know what she's doing and, you know, like, don't worry (laughs) and uh, harmless, but, you uh, you know, like one time might be a coincidence, but it's, you know, happening repeatedly can't be, you know, the same thing. And then she gives the same explanation. I don't know. I don't know how it could have happened. And wow, that was what a mix-up, and you know. And uh, and just today, I just didn't take that little nonsense from her, and that's why she started crying. So.
4: Standard perpetrator racist behavior um, where they have been terrorizing and mistreating and they conveniently flip it around. I even remember the uh yesterday's broadcast with South Carolina State where they have been sabotaged where they're not getting correct funding and then they're trying to undermine their different programs. That's just that's standard operating procedure uh as a black person like that's the kind of thing you have to be on the lookout from day 1 uh and just have in mind that uh, most likely the whites that I'm working with, and they might even get some non-white people to participate as well, are going to be doing things to try to undermine me. Uh, that's why I said about writing the letters, because they're going to be doing things to mess you up uh, so that you look bad and your performance evaluations are wretched. And you're not getting your promotions. You're not getting your raises and that sort of thing consistently. Uh, and taking credit for things that you've done, these at least in my view and and the discussions we've been having about workplace racism over the years, these just to be seem to be standard operating procedures for racists on the job and worldwide, even the non-white people we've talked to that have been in different parts of the world Um, with the calendar thing and really a lot of this, but particularly about the the calendar um, and taking appointments and what have you. A lot of this, at least in my view, seems like uh, documentation would help a lot. Uh, And even I think Mr. Williams, he's talked about in this sort of thing, If you have an email trail, that's documentation and where you can have other people in the loop where if this is a problem where you're making appointments with clients and then she's taking them. And somehow this is happening and nobody can explain it uh, where this can be raised as a problem where there seems to be consistently confusion uh, where your appointments that you're making, you're not being credited where it gives the impression that she's doing all of the work. Uh, and or she's taking the appointments and you're just being left out completely. Let's make sure that we have permanent resolution to this problem. If that means uh, either emailing everybody where you get a CC email that these are the appointments that we have set up uh, for this particular time schedule, that way everybody knows these are the appointments that I made. Uh, that I'm supposed to be handling that I'm supposed to be getting credit for the work that I've done uh, and not somebody else moving uh, so that everybody's on the same page about the works being done. That's one of the recommendations Mr. Williams had about having an email and that way you have uh, electronic documentation and other people are notified as well. That way they can't be saying, uh, and he said you can even uh, sometimes he would encourage when you send those emails out, do uh a confirmation where you get receipt of confirmation that they've got it, they've read it uh, so that everybody's on the same page and nobody can say that they didn't know or we're confused about who made these appointments and that sort of thing that I would highly recommend. And even, um, just when you documenting make sure that you have your own personal notes so that you know when it got made and if things are getting deleted i guess if you all are doing the shared calendar and somehow the appointments are getting deleted where you have your own personal uh documentation if you if you have a record uh so that you know when the appointment was made the date time who is set up with all of that so you can pre- uh present that uh information to your supervisor manager uh so that it's very clear this is what i've done and somehow this consistently is being uh changed uh on the calendar uh and always to my uh deficit it's always something where i'm not being credited for work that's being done uh and this person is looking like they're doing all of the work or there's just confusion where i'm not even, i'm totally out of the loop with meetings that are supposed to be taking place with clients um that's at least one recommendation i would have uh off top um Let's see. And if that does it for certainly for for you or any of the other folks, if that doesn't make sense, definitely (laughs) fill in, uh, you know, don't let Gus be talking crazy uh, about things you can potentially use on the job to try to uh, fend off racists from messing things up for you. And, or if other folks have suggestions uh, for things that might work uh, in dealing with this, definitely you can feel free to chime in as well. Um, So the sabotaging with the calendar situation um, when you stood up and that, I guess that's another one too. Uh, it's so important to not let them get on a roll. I think we talked about that, uh, in the past as well. Uh, it's almost like they kind of feel you out at the beginning, racists on the job to see how much they can get away with. And when they see like, Oh, we can mess this person's name up. We can call them little nicknames. We're not calling them by their proper title. Uh, we can, you know, mess them over on assignments and take credit. Like once they kind of see that, it's just the floodgates open, uh, and it's like, oh, okay, we could do all kinds of stuff. That's why it's so important uh, in terms of demonstrating black self-respect to to stop all of that immediately. Uh, that I'm not into nicknames. This is my title. I'd prefer that you call me by my name. I do not want any little nicknames or what have you. Call me by my proper name. Every time, uh, the embarrassing you in front of clients, just all of that is so important when you demonstrate that black self-respect. And I think Mm -hmm. some of our listeners have talked about that before, where they, too, sense that whites see that when they see that you're not tolerating. Any incorrect behavior that you're about correctness on the job, you doing the correct thing and having the expectation that everybody in the work environment is going to be doing the correct thing by you and everybody else, that they will be a little bit more cautious uh, about, you know, going in to pull these kind of, you know, racist acts on you uh stealing your work and that's not that it's going to eliminate it totally but they'll be a lot more cautious about how they go about doing that and how they treat you so super important uh for folks listening in check that from the very beginning Uh, and it's a lot tougher that's just been my observation once you kind of let that stuff start rotting it can be a lot tougher just with inertia stopping it once you've you know let it get rolling for a while um Let me, I guess, stop to make sure. Am I talking crazy? Any of the folks that are listening in and, you know, the stuff that I'm saying, is it sounding crazy? If it's not making sense, definitely. And or if anybody else had had possible suggestions, uh, based on what you've heard. The other folks that dialed in, they might have, uh, might have their own situations, but, um, At least to the female caller um is does that making sense? Does any of that seem like things that you might be able to to employ to to deal with some of this, or is it sounding crazy?
2: No, it makes sense like there you know some of it I've already done i i, I got her gather out of my calendar and i um uh, then you, know, you know like told her about it that you know 'cause because that just happened one time too many. It's like, I've never had this happen before. Or anybody else I work with is just suddenly now, you know, the appointments get changed. Yeah. And so, um, and then, oh, uh, something else she said to me. Oh, and it's some stuff that, you know, and I don't know what we were talking about. And I told her, I, I you know, I'm not going to participate because, you know, like I said, you know, they. I, I know what I said. I said they scrutinize everything I do because we do, we, everything is on the computer, and they um, then monitor what you do all the time. And so, and I know they have, you know, like I said, like, uh, you know, with that one customer, they didn't want me, you know, you know, they enforce policy. Mm-hmm. And she keeps trying to tell me that, no, you don't really have to do all this stuff. I don't know why you do all that stuff. It, you know, I I don't do all that, you know. And I said, well, because I had problems before. And I get scrutinized. Well, what do you mean by that? You know, I said, well, and I told her they take my work off. Why do you think that is? And so uh, I didn't answer her, <laughs> but I'm sure she knows why I think that is, but. You know, See, I don't know. I don't know why she decided to uh I guess because I challenged her. I told her I'm not, you know, I I called her and I told her that I, I'm she's not getting in my calendar anymore and I'm not, you know, I'm not going to tolerate her embarrassing me in front of the customers. I said that's not appropriate and stuff. So, and so that's why I I guess I like, just like you said then she became the victim. And uh, so I guess instead of me being able to stand my ground, I'm dealing with her being a victim. And that's when she said she didn't want me coming to the other lunch meeting. I said, I am not coming. And uh, I did go over there and talk to the doctor for a minute, you know, before the appointment started, and then I left. I left just as she was coming in.
4: Check in. I'm gonna check in with some of the other listeners just to make see if they have similar workplace problems and what have you. But I want to, uh, because I made was making notes. I want to go back to the Saturday skit thing as well, um, just to make sure I'm correctly understanding what what all is going down with this. If this is required and uh, the bananas and all this other nonsense about this uh, this weekend thing. But um, just to check in with uh, any of the other folks that that dialed in with a hand up, you should be with us as well. Uh, If you had comments that were related to this or if you had your own uh, incident that you wanted to get in, or I guess certainly if you had comments on anything that we discussed during the program, that's fine too. Uh, But the other folks that had hands up, uh, you should be with us as well. Did you all have uh, comments Yes, ma'am, we can
0: hear you.
7: um, I've noticed that um, the, just as you mentioned, uh, white women have the tendency to cry when they feel threatened. I noticed on the flip side um, that white men, um, maybe, maybe not if they feel threatened, but like, I don't know what the appropriate word would be, Um, if you kind of, like, surprise them with a question or something like that, they tend to curse. And I wanted to ask, how should one deal with the constant cursing, even, you know, if, you know, whether white or, I'm sorry, whether male or female, you know, if the white person, um, you know, is constantly cursing around you, um should you rate, should you ask them you know why are you cursing or just or should you just make the request like I prefer that you not use that kind of language around me I mean would that be an appropriate response
4: mm. it uh I would say um number one, it would depend on the type of work environment that it's in because I've been in some uh, work environments where you know that's whatever everybody is all about cursing all day long, where that you know seems like that's a part mm-hmm. of the business strategy where we just use all the most the more profanity the better um so right. I would make an assessment of the type of work environment that it's in, but if this is like you know corporate uh everybody is in business attire and we're serious and in our office and that sort of thing, and we're supposed to be conducting ourselves in a professional manner where that's not the standard way people are talking all day long in meetings and on the phone and that sort of thing. Um, I uh-huh. would just, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no I was just
7: saying, mm-hmm, yeah.
4: oh, okay. I would say, uh-huh. uh, I would just raise it with questions, um, with the profanity, like, is this acceptable, this way of speaking and, and cursing is that acceptable? Uh, is that in accordance with our company policy? with our business strategy in terms of how employees are supposed to conduct themselves and just let them answer and see what they say Uh, if this is a supervisor whoever it happens to be and is this the way that we talk to everybody I know Mr. Fuller would get on that in a heartbeat Uh, equal protection under the law is this the way that you talk to everybody Uh, so when you're in a meeting with the owner of the company When you're in a meeting with a client, when you're in a meeting, you know, the custodial staff, everybody who works there, this is the way you talk. So when the owner comes in and, you know, you disagree with that, that person says, do you talk to them in the same way where you're using profanities and cursing and see what they say? Um, That's the way that I would go with it. And, you know, just as that's why I said, also just being constantly about being professional. I think when you put that out I'm professional, I'm not talking like that. I'm courteous uh, in the way that I talk to everybody. Um, and you know, that's the way that that's the expectation for that. I have for how we're going to be conducting ourselves in this office. And when people talk to me that they're not going to be cursing at me and yelling and that sort of thing. And that's, you know, the same way that I'm, that's the same code that I'm going to be abiding by, but that's what I would do. I would just ask, is this this is in accordance with our company strategy, our business policy about how we're supposed to behave. And this is the way that you talk to everybody in the company. This is not just the me thing. You talk to the owner of the company this way. You talk to your manager this way, other supervisors. You talk to everybody top to bottom in the company the same way you use the same type of language and see what they say. Okay. That's
7: very helpful. You know, i would even had, um, experiences, you know, on the telephone, uh, even with, uh, customers, and when they get upset, they start cursing, and there have been times i have just hot up the phone because I'm not dealing with that. And uh, many times you can't even calm them down, or you try to speak slowly and ask them to please calm down, and they don't listen. They just go off on this tirade. And so, I mean, I've even done that with, uh, uh, colleagues uh, i work in a larger uh agency and a lot of times we have other um like we have like interagency uh, uh meetings etc uh or interactions and so there have been times when even, uh, colleagues from other agencies will, you know, they're there for whatever reason, uh, but they get upset about something and they start cursing. And many times I've just left the room. I, I, I don't even, you know, sit there and take that. Um, there have been times when I've taken it, but, you know, as I, you know, I've, you know, I've gotten a little wiser and also listening to your program, I've, And it's
4: just the times that I just completely just left. And, I mean, do you think that that's appropriate, too? Absolutely. And I I even uh, announcing where you let them know in advance, like, you know, hey, I'm all about consistently demonstrating the highest levels of professionalism and courtesy each and every time I come to work. With every single person that I am conversing with, speaking to, whether it's a a client, a customer, uh, the lowest person on the totem pole, as they say here at the job, whether I'm talking to the owner of the company uh, in constantly being a model of professionalism. And if you're going to be talking, yelling at me and cursing and being discourteous. This this is not going to continue because this is just not acceptable and we shouldn't be conducting ourselves this way, whether I'm talking to a client or or whomever. You know, if I, if you're talking to a client, just, you know, ma'am, I want to help you. Sir, I want to help you. But, you know, we really need you to calm down. You're, you're speaking in a very uh, hostile tone right now, and I'm not going to be able to help you solve this problem if you continue talking to me like that. If it continues, then I'm going to have to discontinue the conversation and we can try it again once you've calmed down and, and we could see about, you know, being adult and professional and how we go about doing this. That's client or, you know, a coworker, or what have you and just let them know. And if they continue rah, 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 all that, well, okay, you're continuing. I'm going to disengage from the conversation right now and see if we can pick this back up at a later time. We can both be calm and courteous and work to solve this problem and just let it go with that, but absolutely, I think that's black self-respect on display, and just not allowing people to talk to you any all kind of way.
7: All
4: right. All right. Thank you. That's very helpful. Thank you. The uh, anybody else who had a hand up, if you had. Uh, Comments on anything that's been discussed—that's cool. If you had your own workplace racism—that's fine as well. Uh, feel free to chime in as well. The folks who had hands up.
8: Hello, good night. Can I be heard?
4: Yes, ma'am. Uh, you could speak up a little bit. That would be helpful.
8: Oh, <laughs> I'll, oh, okay. Is that
4: better? Uh, a tad. Or no.
8: A tad, okay. Um, What I want to ask you, did you listen to um, Democracy Now! today?
4: The Chicago uh, torture and all that? Yes, ma'am.
8: Yes, yes, yes. Um, Will that be uh, discussed on the um, Saturday program?
4: Yes, Um, I forgot about that. Clip that this morning (laughs) seems like uh, weeks ago now. Um, But yeah, I did uh, listen to that and uh, I had uh, been waiting for that. I even I was glad that Democracy Now! covered it because they had mentioned it before today. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I even felt that's another aspect of racism, white supremacy, because democracy now they had made time to talk about things that I view as nonsense, if not out and out racism, white supremacy, They where they were uh, investing time talking about gay marriage uh, in Alabama and connecting that with racism, white supremacy, uh, which in my that's just blatant, direct white supremacy being practiced before they got to this. And I thought this was a much more important um, investigation uh, in terms of what was being revealed uh, that came out previous. I think this came out last week. This was something that took them a while to even get to. That's why I said they were talking about all kinds of nonsense uh, before they got to it. But uh, I guess for folks who don't know, they uh, released a report um, last week uh, where basically they were saying that individuals who work for the Chicago Police Department, these are whites, race soldiers that work with Chicago Police Department uh, that they had been torturing black people uh, in Chicago, and making them make all these false uh confessions and abusing them and trying to get them to 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 confess to these crimes that they didn't commit. Uh, and then they went down to Guantanamo and further yep. tortured non-white people and took some of the tactics they had been using uh in Chicago, uh, South Side Chicago. They said that specifically took those tactics and then went down to Guantanamo and just continued doing what they were doing. Uh, and as I said, this is this came out before today. They had uh I think The Guardian did a big report and some other outlets as well had been talking about this for at least a week, if not longer. Before they got to this, Um, but they did on Democracy Now. They had the white male who wrote, uh, who's written, I think at least two reports for the Guardian about all this. They had him on, and they did two segments. And even within that segment, uh, another aspect of racism, white supremacy. They devoted Democracy Now has about an hour show. They devoted about, uh, I'll say twenty five minutes. That almost half of the program was about this. Mm -hmm. They waited until almost the end of the segment before they emphasized oh yeah most of the victims were black people and they tortured a whole lot of black chicago residents isn't that right yeah okay end of the point the rest of the time they had all these whites they had a white male uh who they said he was this is like the occupy white people that i detest and loathe uh, but they had some white guy on it was like oh yeah they handcuffed me to uh, a bench and they wouldn't let me get a phone call and they were rude and nasty and I had to sleep but they did charm. and they didn't charge me then they had some white chick on she was like oh yeah they handcuffed me into this and it was why is the face of this all these white people when the report says explicitly this was black people that were being abused I was like that is another aspect of racism white supremacy where you are consistently making the face of this terroristic behavior, the victims are white when that's not the case at all. The uh, the facility uh, where I think they said it was a, a black house or they had uh, the Chicago Police Department had a black, excuse me, had a uh, building uh, that they owned where they would take these people. Sometimes they wouldn't even charge them with a crime. They would just take them and hold them uh, for 15 hours, 17 hours, have them handcuffed. They couldn't get access to an attorney and all this other stuff while they're torturing and abusing them. But they're making the face of this white victims, which is, uh, in my view, that's just a consistent aspect of white supremacy, where they disproportionately show white victims. Uh, But I mean, I expect the racism to be there regardless, but I I thought the report was extremely important. It will be included this weekend, but uh, I was pleased they covered it, but it was a lot of racism. I I thought that they uh, set my BFF standard on their job, practicing racism, even when they're given information that is important.
8: Yeah, I, I realized that too. That they had that white female on talking, and uh, the place is called Whole Man Square.
4: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
8: And um, there's a, a other uh, Chicago police officer. I think his name was John Borger or something like that, where he had uh, tortured over a hundred black males. Right. Right. And uh, he he served I think four years in prison for perjury. So. <laughs> and he's,
4: was, out like, <laughs> he's out now.
8: He's out now.
4: He's out now. He's out now. And even that right there uh, at the tail end of the report, he was not incarcerated because of terrorizing black people. He was in jail just for committing perjury and right. lying uh, and only got four years for that. I mean, it's just like, come on. Again, that's why the image for people who saw on Facebook it is black lives don't matter. Anything can happen to you uh, if you are a black person at any time and who cares? Maybe we'll give this person a slap on the wrist. Most likely they will be rewarded and promoted and they'll get books and money and the whole nine. But certainly no one cares about anything that happened to you. They, I think they devoted maybe 30 seconds where they showed a black male who talked about how they had uh, basically suffocated him to make him, you know, give some sort of false confession that he committed a, committed a crime that he did not do. Uh, but that was, you know, like 30 seconds that they included at the end after they had already shown all these white victims, male and female, of uh, the Chicago Police Department.
8: Yeah, because when I saw the article, mm-hmm. um, I was thinking, I'm like, okay, then this is going on. Okay, what's going to be What's going to be done? Who's going to get arrested? Is this going to be shut down? what 's going to happen. And there's nothing in the article like stating anything like that. It's just stating that this place exists and that's it. And, um, hmm. I don't know. Did you see the report of the uh, one of the one of the uh, races on that train it was an employee for the Human Rights uh, Committee or something like that? Did you see a that report that, that article?
4: I did um, oh, okay. for listeners who are uh, she's talking about the incident in Paris uh, last week where uh, it was a gang of white thugs uh who were saying that they were racist and proud and they abused a black male passenger and threw him off the train and got video recorded and uh they've continued to follow, and I think they said, yeah, just what you said, one of these you were supposed to be some sort of human rights advocate, and I think one of the other people was supposed to be an enforcement officer or something I was like these are these were supposed to be good whites uh who were doing this, where I just further chuckled, but yeah, I think c n n had a report on the one that was supposed to be a human rights worker and uh some of the other people that that followed all this but yeah i did I did see that as well this week, and once again, it's like again it's
8: like it's- it doesn't say anything about what's to be done with this person <laughs> it's just telling me that this person is a human rights worker and that's it I'm just going to lose this job this just going to pay some fine. I don't know what's going to happen with this person it's just they, they, they just state these things and then there's no repercussion for the actions <sighs>
4: Yeah. not for terrorizing black people certainly not <laughs> Like uh, that's that is across the board Uh, from Ferguson, Chicago, worldwide. There's certainly not supposed to be any repercussions for uh, abusing and terrorizing black people like, you know, that who cares? Uh, at, at, At most, maybe we will apologize 70 years after that black person has been killed. Maybe we'll give an apology and, you know, put a. Raggedy plaque up somewhere saying that uh, it sure is a shame what happened to this nigger 70 years ago. But I mean, no, in terms of punishment and uh, restitution, compensation for the victim. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And that's one I would encourage with the Chicago thing, checking uh, the news for people that are in Chicago. What is the Chicago Tribune saying about all this? Because I think that did uh, get asked on Democracy Now! where they asked them, you know, has Chicago media covered this? I think Chicago, they have uh, a mayoral uh, election right now. Rahm Emanuel uh, is running. Are they covering this? Is this being talked about? Uh, In the mayor campaign, where they just had a protest, people in Chicago uh, were protesting uh, black people being, I mean, that's every day, black people being abused in Chicago, Rekia Boyd et al. uh, And they were saying that it really wasn't getting that much attention. And they were just promoting the uh, Chicago Police Department line that, you know, we didn't do anything incorrect and these allegations have been overblown and, you know, we we certainly do not in, engage in, in any of this sort of behavior. Uh, but, you know, be checking. What is what is Chicago Tribune saying about this? I think it's Chicago Sun-Times, one of the other big uh, papers in the Chicago area. What are they saying about uh, all of this? Because that's another act of racism, white supremacy, where they just don't talk about white people terrorizing black people. Same thing with Daniel Holtzclaw.
8: Is um, Raman Mano, is he a white person?
4: I think he's white. I could be oh, Arab, okay. but yeah, I think he's white.
8: They said he got, what, uh, I think it was $16 million to, uh, for his campaign. They said it was four times the amount of all his competitors, all his uh, people he was running, running against. <laughs> so I think he's in the, the pocket
4: of a lot of these corporations, mm-hmm. special interest groups that would further. Like, You're going to believe that, yeah, I think he's a white person. But, yeah, I think they were talking about that, too, uh, the amount of money. That's one of their popular ones on Democracy Now! and MSNBC and campaign finance reform and how much money goes into all this. That's one of their uh, popular talking points.
2: Yeah, Ron was um, Obama's chief of staff before he became mayor, and he, uh, he lost, but, and, and it had to be a runoff. He only got 45 percent of them. A vote after all that money he spent.
8: I thought that was going to, um, I thought they were going to do a runoff, in, uh, I think they said in April, between him and a guy called Chewy. I think it the guy. Chewy, yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah, I had not heard of him before, but I heard him. Um, they were. They mentioned it today. So, yeah, that, he was a second-place person. Okay. And it's uh, like a slap in mom's face to not win after all that money. They said it was all kind of billboards everywhere, all kinds of millions spent on ads, and he still lost. But he, but he did won. He He won in the areas that were the whitest and the richest, and he lost in the, they said the brownest and the poorest
4: areas. Fascinating. I'd be curious to see uh, what Pam has to say about all that. That's in her... Uh, Neck of the woods, racismws.com. And I, I know we have other listeners uh, in Chicago. That's one of our other sites. We have a good chunk of, uh, chunk of listeners in the Chicago area to see what, what folks are saying about uh, all of this, the election and what's happening with the uh, Chicago Police Department. Not that that should be news. I think most of the black people that live there, I think they have known uh, Chicago Police Department is corrupt and terroristic for quite some time. This is just, you know, another chapter to the story.
8: Uh, what's your take on the... Uh, what's that called? What's what they call him John Jihadist. You heard about that guy? Who is this now? <laughs> uh, supposedly he's the... Uh, I think one of the guys in ISIS that uh, in the video was actually beheading people, they said. And they saying he's a, a a Londoner. He's from London. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, uh, what
3: did
8: they say? But what I read is that uh, MI6 was trying to recruit him. But... They're saying that he's basically uh, heading ISIS because this, there's this whole thing going on now about like people from America and from London leaving these countries to join ISIS, right? To join their fight. Mm-hmm. But I think he's a he's a plant. I think he's a he's a um uh, an agent. You know. But yeah, they, I heard a story. They're running it right now with the the John
4: jihadist guy, some non-white guy. I just think all of that is is fabricated. I need I need to read more about this guy specifically. But the the reports that I've seen about ISIS and these beheading videos and all of that, I'm extremely skeptical of all of that. Uh, I feel like this is the sort of thing that whites. Uh, set up and orchestrate i know uh randy short dr randy short has talked about this before and saying that he thinks all of this is just uh cia orchestrated uh where they set up these type of campaigns uh to say that oh we're being victimized and they're out you know to kill white people and victimize us and we got to go get them just this will be further justification to go out and kill uh non-white people but that that does not surprise me at all if there are reports that this guy uh you know Worked or infiltrated from London and that he had been recruited by uh, the London equivalent of the CIA. That does not surprise me at all. Um, I think even Dr. Randy Short, sure, he had said uh, he thought that both uh, the ISIS or ISIL uh, operation as well as Boko Haram down in uh, Nigeria, that all of this, uh, that these were uh, Western white supremacist controlled organizations uh, and that all of this was by design uh, to just give the impression that white people are being victimized they'll say they won't say white that they'll say that these folks are at war with the west that's the way that they'll say it they're enemies uh of the west uh and that we need to justify uh violent force lethal force uh against these different groups of non-white people but yeah that doesn't surprise me at all i tend to think that these probably are all orchestrated controlled directly indirectly uh by racist man racist woman white people I suspect Dr. Uh, Niana Rasayan, he's been on the program repeatedly. Uh, I'm curious to hear his take uh, on this as well, because we talked with him, not the last time he was on the program, but uh, the summer of 2014 he was on. We, we talked with him about Boko Haram and uh, ISIS as well uh, at that point. So I'd be curious to hear his how his views have evolved uh, or what, what he has observed uh, over the, I guess it's seven months uh, since we talked to him about all of that uh, this past summer. But yeah, I will, I'll make sure to put that on my list of talking points when we get him on uh, and Dr. Randy short as well uh, to get him back. Cause I, I know that's something he's been paying attention to and, and talking about quite a bit.
8: Yeah. They were showing some videos of them like smashing up, I think some statues and stuff and uh in Iraq, and um, they creating this big, this big fuss and hoo over it. And I'm like, I remember one time uh, that I think I don't know if it's the president, if they call themselves the president or the prime minister, but David Cameron, mm. England, he had uh, made a statement saying that uh, he apologized for Britain for um, taking a diamond, the Hope Diamond, from India, but he's not giving it back.
7: <laughs>
8: so I'm like. <laughs> I don't believe they just. I don't know, man.
4: I don't know, man. Clowning, clowning. Yeah. <laughs> Stan, I mean that's that's standard operating procedure. Where well, whites do this all the time, uh, where they might give you some toothless. Uh, you know, our bad, but we're not going to correct uh, any of the the wrongdoing that we've done, if you even get that. And vast majority of the time, you're not even going to get that. But I mean, that's that's what we're dealing with. That's what I mean when I say really think about and study what does it mean to be white worldwide because you see the exact same behavior patterns. And that's, that's another reason why I don't get, you know, all done out when they put these videos, which I think these videos could even be fake. I'm suspicious of all of that. Like, where are these videos coming from and all that? But Uh, Anything where uh, you where I see hordes of whites where they're claiming that they are victimized and they are afraid we're terrorized this could happen to us when they're talking about things that are happening thousands of miles away on the other side of the planet and you have got white people practicing terrorism right here. That you know, doesn't get nearly the same amount of coverage. Whites are not nearly as outraged about things that are happening right here in the u s border. That just further lets me know what all of this is about and and uh, you know impacts how I view and process all of this. but yeah'm I'm not, I'm not surprised at all uh, prime minister david uh, David Cameron having uh, no intention of correcting their acknowledged wrongdoing, racist behavior. you know, the people they behead, I wondered about the
2: orange jumpsuit. I said, that's too similar to what they use here for prisoners. Why would whatever, ISIL? Why would they use the same... I I I wouldn't even doubt it wasn't the same company that made them. Why would they have them come out with those orange jumpsuits? What's that supposed to be?
4: Mm Dr. Welsing has talked about that as well on the program. I remember she talked about the symbolism and, and how she, just the name itself <laughs> and being called ISIS in her work and uh, how this is, how this fits into the global system of white supremacy in terms of white people seeing this and a lot of the victims being white and then uh, increasingly them showing black people non-white people that they say are coming from the U.S. or different areas to go and, and join them and the whole nine, like uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm it, incredibly suspicious of all of it. The videos, everything about it, what you're saying about what they're wearing in the videos, all of it. And these people going to join because they keep having that uh, as front page material as well. They keep showing different folks that they say are trying to go uh, and join from New York and all these other different uh, places, just, uh, it, it all just seems extremely suspect to me, but, you know, I could be in error.
7: Yeah. I they come
2: someone today, I think, uh, morning. they looked like young white males to me. And, uh, and they had run away to join it. And they said that they were destroying all the, um, uh, museum pieces. I showed them, you know, just, uh, they, you know, destroying them. I remember them doing that in, um, was it Iraq? You know, all those antiquities that they that American soldiers destroyed, and they either destroy them or stole them.
3: Both.
4: Chris Kyle, American sniper.
5: <laughs>
4: uh, if any of the. Other folks listening in, if you had uh, comments on uh, whatever has been brought up, the ISIS situation, what happened in Chicago, I would encourage, well, begrudgingly, I would encourage folks uh, to check out the segment that was on Democracy Now! earlier today about what happened in Chicago, because that is important, uh, extremely important, just uh, it's a lot, I mean, that's Not surprising, but in my view, it's a lot of racism, even in the way that they present that information. But I would encourage folks to check that out because that is uh, important. And some of the written material online that's talking uh, about that that's been available for the last week. But folks have any uh, comments they want to get in on that uh, and or uh, the workplace situations that we've been talking about. Any of the things that I brought up um, prior to the callers coming in, feel free. You can chime in. Uh we probably uh have about another twenty minutes unless folks have nothing they want to add, uh where well, you can hop in uh the number again seven six zero five six nine seven six seven six and the code is five six four nine four three pound. Um before I didn't forget about the uh Saturday skit with the grass skirts and all that either. Uh just did anybody anybody that's with us, did anybody see American Denial, the uh the PBS documentary? I thought. Okay, I assume, I'll assume you're the only one at least that's with us right now. What uh, What were your thoughts? Did you think it was constructive? Uh, Do anything stick out to you in the film?
2: Um, the, in my opinion is pretty similar to yours cause I was watching it, and um, I guess my expectation were that um, they would show more examples of, you know, and I know they did show some of the things that white people did, but as far as the denial, I thought that really, you know, the essence of it was that, you know, basically we're still in denial. You know, we're showing you these things, but, you know, we're really, like you said, focusing on the on the gentleman that did the research and, um, it, it, you know, it was bad, but not really all that bad. You know, that, that that's kind of the way, the way I got it, especially, you know, it's, it's, almost like, I don't know, it was, it was very clever, cleverly done not to really, um, uh, you know, point the finger at white people because they had, uh, plenty of, uh, uh, black commentators there. And, um, and not, and not to really address it. This is horrific. Look at these things. Nope. They just kind of skimmed it. You know, the the um, I can't remember what his name, the professor. He was horrified by it. But, okay, when they got done, because he said at the beginning, that's why I was really interested. He said at the beginning that the reason they, they hired him or someone said was that he was able to do the same kind of research in Sweden and make policy and um and um legal changes that helped improve the status of the people in in Sweden. So so that's what I was looking for. Okay, so what happened? And it's like they mentioned it and that was it. It is like it was almost like I they didn't even go back to it that that was how they um presented it in in the beginning. It was like okay, um I don't know. I guess it's uh, another example of uh, of racism. That's the only thing I can see that they didn't really accomplish what they were they said they were trying to accomplish, and didn't even they didn't acknowledge it and they didn't address it.
4: Absolutely, absolutely, and that that was another. Uh, aspect as well. I I thought I said that on Twitter uh, when I posted it that I thought it would be more accurate to title the film White Denial of Racism uh, or White Denial of White Terrorism. I thought that would be more accurate Um, and I I thought another facet of it was them I thought they made it seem as though everybody white people and black people are in denial uh, about racism and I I do not think that is accurate at all. Uh, Yes, Dr. Welzer talks about that a lot that you do have a lot of victims of racism, black people who deny that racism exists. That is another aspect of our victimization and whites promote black people thinking that racism is not a problem and encourage us to deny racism, uh, both directly by punishing, killing, incarcerating black people who talk about racism and then rewarding and, and putting out front black people who say that racism is not a problem or it's not a big deal, or this is not, you know, War and terrorism constantly worldwide against black people. White people are directly uh, responsible for that as well. So I thought that was another aspect of how it was just uh, incredibly inaccurate uh, and just further practicing racism uh, within the documentary. Uh, and them not just calling out explicitly that this is is just white people practicing racism by denying, uh, being deceptive about their criminal activity against black people, and then encouraging the victims too. It's to also you know not speaking honestly uh about what's happening with regards to racism but yeah again not saying that i you know would encourage anybody to watch or check it out or what have you it's, it might it's probably not even worth your an hour of your time to sit through it so i will say also with the uh the homeschool piece, uh, Kamali Academy. We've had uh, Dr. Kamara on the program uh, repeatedly uh, and some of the students, black students that are there. uh, They have material uh, that's available online. You can just go uh, to their website and check it out. It should be helpful if you're trying to uh, develop a curriculum for black children. uh, KamaliAcademy.com. KamaliAcademy.com. You can see their online curriculum, uh, which you can probably use and, and adapt for your uh, needs uh, to help instruct uh, black children, uh, but that is a, a great resource, and I think even some of the other folks that we've had uh, the Freedom Academy in Chicago uh, with Mr. Klein uh, think they have resources online as well so uh, I know that's not in uh, upstate New York, Kamali Academy is down in Louisiana, but they have material that I think would be helpful uh, for folks anywhere, black people anywhere uh, if you're attempting to go the homeschool route or independent route or starting your own uh, Academy uh, school for black children, they would uh, likely have some resources that you can use, and you could probably even reach out to them and, and get some uh, tips and you know, suggestions.
8: Is that like Kamali with an I or a Y?
4: Uh, with an I. Okay.
8: And does anybody know of any website that you can find like black doctors? Huh.
2: That's a good question. They have a National Medical Association, that's that's the Black Doctors' Association. I I don't know if they um, actually list members in in different areas or not, but I know they do. It's been around for a long time, too, so they might. Are you looking for
7: allopathic doctors or holistic doctors?
8: Holistic would be best.
7: Okay.
8: Holistic would be best. Okay, Poppy, okay.
7: Uh, Have you heard of Dr. Sebi? Pardon me? Have you heard of Dr. Sebi? Dr. Um, Sebi, yes. I know Dr. Sebi. Yeah, okay. Great, great.
8: But I mean, like like, a dentist, (laughs) a regular doctor, you know, pediatrician, stuff like that, somebody that I can actually go to? Because Dr. Sebi, I think he's in, is it it Florida, I think? are. Uh,
7: He's based out of Los Angeles.
8: Los Angeles, okay, yeah. I'm in New York, so that's always. I find that when I call the doctor's office and I ask for the recent doctor, people, like, they respond to me like I'm crazy. (laughs)
1: Like,
8: why am I asking that question? So I just wonder if there's like a website I could just go to and just look at the doctors and you know know the doctors are like from there and, and they can go from there.
4: Oh uh Dorothy Roberts, Vernelia Randall, uh some of our guests that have been on, they write and talk all the time about racism in the healthcare industry they might know of uh, like a directory or a listing uh, that has that information like and, and specific for your geographic location so you can kind of find out what's available there um, I'll reach out to them and um, they have a pretty good presence online uh, where I'm sure you can if you just uh, search for their name uh, where you can either, uh, Professor Roberts I mean, she's pretty active on Twitter, you might even be able to hit her there and uh, she might be able to get get back at you pretty quickly, uh, then, uh, Dr. Vanilla Randall, you can probably drop her an email and see if she has anything. Uh, I'll check in with them as well and see if they, uh, know of any, any resources, uh, that would help out on that. Dr. Welsing might know also, I'll check in, check in okay. with some of the folks that we've had on who might have some expertise in that and see, uh, see if they can help out.
8: You said Dorothy Roberts, right?
4: Yes, ma'am. Dorothy Roberts. I know Roberts. that
8: name. I know that name. Um, and you said,
4: uh, what's the other one? Bernelia uh, Randall. Bernelia oh. Randall. She's a okay. uh, retired professor at University of Dayton. Uh, Dorothy Roberts, she's at uh, UPenn now in uh, okay. Pennsylvania.
8: Okay. I'll definitely check that out. Thank you.
3: Mm-hmm.
8: Uh, the, uh, the listener, she was saying something about a holistic doctor. Does she know of any uh, in the New York area? Uh, ma'am, are you still online?
7: oh oh I'm sorry Uh, yes I'm sorry what what did you say
8: I said do you know of any holistic doctors in New York
7: no but I I can certainly um, check and um, do you listen to the Saturday compensatory show on that at that time I can uh, share what I find for you Uh,
8: it would be greatly appreciated thank you
7: okay you're welcome
2: the, the National Medical Association—they do have a physician locator service. I just tweeted it to the. Okay.
8: Okay. Thanks.
7: Ma'am, uh, would you be willing to travel to certain regions of the U.S. Uh, to, like, for holistic service if if nothing could be found in New York?
8: Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it would depend on like how far I have, to, <laughs> I'd, have to, I'd have to go. But definitely, I would, I would travel definitely.
7: Okay, okay.
4: Oh, I think uh, I didn't know that. I think today is uh, the anniversary of uh, Trayvon Martin being killed uh, back in two thousand twelve. I wasn't aware of the the date but um i guess that's i guess that is today um and they just announced i think two days ago that there would be no uh no civil rights violations against uh his killer uh they announced i think late tuesday tuesday evening which i thought they was a foregone conclusion i thought they had already said that but i guess they made the the formal announcement late tuesday but uh yeah You posted something about uh, Officer Ling. uh Do you know when his trial is going to be? Is that Akai Gurley's killer? Does he? Yes. I don't know a specific date. Um, I suspect it's supposed to be sometime mm-hmm. later uh, this year. Uh, I know they kind of drag those uh, things out, but I would suspect, I wouldn't think it would be any time before this summer or maybe even later than that because uh, I know Jonathan Farrell. Um, His uh, his white killer that happened at the end of 2013. And that trial hasn't even started yet. That was, you know, a year and a half ago and it hasn't even got started. So, um, yeah, I don't I don't know the exact trial date, but I I strongly suspect it's not going to be anytime soon. I would think at 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 the earliest, uh, maybe late summer or sometime in the fall. And it might not even be till next year. Uh, if folks, uh, the folks that called in, I definitely want to make sure that I went back to the, uh, the Saturday skit thing, <laughs> just to make sure I'm, I'm clear on what happened there and, and, you know, try to process that if, uh, the female caller, if you, uh, think that would be constructive. Uh, but I, I will make sure that I emphasize again, um, the importance of recognizing and just being honest when we are stressed. Um, because that is going to happen. That is what the system of white supremacy is designed to do. Stress you out and, and just have us frustrated, angry, uh, and just completely un, in unease. Uh, that's what it's designed to do. And uh, that's why Dr. Frances Cresswell is like why she says every time she comes on the program, black people are not qualified for mental health under the system of white supremacy. And I think one of the things that we can do, just recognizing being self-aware when you are feeling stressed, when you know, hey, I am, I'm having a tough time right now. I need to step back and take some, some time for me, take some mental health time. Um, And they even make that difficult uh, for black people, but doing the best that you can, uh, if that means other victims that pluck your nerves or challenge your patients I minimize the amount of contact to the best of my ability when I know I'm stressed. If I have some vacation days or the ability to take some time off work for a couple days to kind of get myself together. Great. Uh, If you have offspring, if you have grandparents or, you know, other folks where you can kind of have them hang out there for a day or two, just so you can get some some quiet time, some downtime for you do that. I think that's I'm even talking about myself. First and foremost, that was something I just did not do. Um, particularly before I started studying and being serious about racism and just rec- being honest with yourself that, hey, I am stressed right now. I need to take some time just to take care of myself, recharge, replenish so I can go back on the grind. But this system is designed to just totally wear you out and have you frazzled. Uh, and then they condition us to not value and take care of ourselves. So we're not even you know, saying, "Hey, wait a minute, I, you know, I need to look out for myself uh, and do the best that I can under horrible conditions uh, to try to preserve, you know, a little bit of sanity and and mental health that I do have." So definitely uh, take that time, be honest with yourself, and and try to have things that you do that are healthy and constructive. Because they racists will encourage us, "Hey, you're feeling bad? Get a drink. Uh, here's some Hennessy. Go get some vodka, and you know, go to the club, and you know, take these drugs, and and you'll feel like." anything that is non-constructive and it's just going to add more problems. Have some things that you know you enjoy doing that lift your spirit, that make you feel better, that are constructive. If that's people that you enjoy spending time with, family members, people that care about you, do that. Uh, if you you know are into whatever your spiritual system is, do that. If it's exercising, if you want to go for a hike or go get a swim or go for a run, uh, if you're in an area where it's, you know, sunny and you can be outside and not, get hypothermia do that Uh, whatever you know that you just things that you know you enjoy have fun are constructive and will help replenish you schedule time to make sure that you're doing those things Uh, that right there is an act of black self-respect and can go a long way to try to help preserve uh, some level uh, of mental health but again under this system no black person no victim of racism qualifies for mental health Um, that being said, I guess also before I get uh, back to our caller uh, with the weekend situation, um, television, as Dr. Welsing said, reading is more important than watching television. Reading and writing is more important than watching television. Um, I was just I was talking to another victim and uh, the I'd mentioned the office before and saying, you know, workplace racism and that TV show was a reason it was so popular. It was on for 10 years. The whole foundation of the show is racism I was not prepared. The only reason that I watched the show, I I started watching, I think it had been on like nine years, about to go off the air (laughs) when I became aware of it and watched some of it. And it was because one of our guests, a racist suspect said that the office has a lot of racist jokes in it. And that, that is an example. If you want to study and, and research racist jokes, check out the office. And so I watched it. I was not prepared for the level of racism in the office. I've mentioned it before. And I was just reminded Uh, There is an episode where the main white character, he has promised black children that he would pay for their college tuition uh, when they were like eight, nine in elementary school. They're about to graduate. Right. He goes back to the high school and tells them, well, I thought I would be rich. I don't have the money. I'm not paying for your college. And, you know, tough luck. And he gives them all uh, laptop batteries. That's what he gives them as some sort of uh, consolation for lying to them about all this. Uh, And I just I mean, the level of racism that this is funny, like crushing black children's pursuit of education, that this is humorous for whites. Uh, And I mean, just it's it's the like I said, I was not prepared for the level of racism in this little goofy show because this is a comedy, supposedly uh, this little goofy sitcom that was on for a decade. They are listening to Precious in audiobook format as they ride to the school to tell these black children that I'm not going to pay for your school and you're not going to be able to go uh to college. Uh, and they make a they mention that like multiple times that we're listening to Precious, the audiobook, <laughs> in route. Uh, in addition to these black children, like they're worshiping him as a as a divine presence uh they're singing songs and dancing for him and they've named a wing of the school after him and all this other nonsense before he says, oh yeah i'm not i'm not doing that here's your battery and you know peace out (laughs) he goes off on his way but just the levels uh, of racism not saying that you need to watch the whole program but just if anything for me one of the main points that i took away from it White people are not ignorant about racism. You do not get the humor of a show like this that was wildly popular if you don't understand racism. And I submit they are thinking about their conscious, they're aware of, and they enjoy terrorizing, practicing racism. I mean, just if you can think about that, this is funny. Lying to black children about education that whites find this funny, apparently. I will Stop there again. Reading is more important than watching television. And no, I'm not encouraging anyone to watch uh The Office, but just there is a lot of racism. Uh, for folks who've seen it, you can process if you have seen it, you can think about what you saw. Uh, that being said, uh, our female caller, and I guess you call in a lot uh, again. I'm uncouth, I'm not you know, on into the uh names. How do you want to be uh referenced uh when you call in because you do participate pretty regularly? Joy, Joy, okay. Um, The weekend situation uh, that you were talking about where you all are supposed to be doing uh, a skit and bananas and grass skirts and all this other uh, nonsense, Um, I I guess, number one, is this like required? Is this an optional thing? Like, is this just to hang out with coworkers and have fun? Or is this somehow connected to what you're supposed to be doing as a part of your workplace duties?
2: Well, we're having this meeting, you know, this two-day meeting next week the week after, or next week. might be next week, anyway, they want us to, there's this competition that whoever, whichever, you know, team, di- district is going to put on the best skit, and it's our, our director's uh, bright idea, and uh, I was trying to, like, shut it down, but you know, they it, it's like you know the way they the way they do things. They want you to volunteer, but if you don't volunteer, then you know you're not a team player, and they're not happy, and they and they let you know that. Uh,
4: we got some. If you're dialing and all that in the uh, background, that is okay. Sorry about that. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, that's uh, you know. So they 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 always say every, all this stuff is optional, but. You know, you, you know, you, you feel that if you don't participate, so, but, uh, you know, it's it's just like, it's just, they, they don't ever do anything, put out anything like that that's really optional. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was trying to, like, redirect it, try to change the song, you know, uh, I, but that didn't work. I don't, I don't even know, it's something like, um. Cabana or something, I don't know. Some very Manilow song, I don't know it. You know, after I try to get them to do everyday people. I said, we do everyday people. We don't even need a costume. We can just be ourselves. But, no, nope. they want to do the, the grass skirts and put bananas on our heads and stuff. Yeah. And I don't know. I... I know it's gonna be terrible if I'm the only one that's not participated Because there there she goes again. she just you know i I don't yeah all that little nonsense stuff I really don't do it. I just sit there and look at', them. but um, it's like it, it's often they you know they had well, what were we doing? We made snowmen at the Christmas party, you know big contest to make a snowman. you know it's like one one year, I kid you not, it was something that my son did in Cub Scouts. We made these flags. Each table had to make their own flag. We did that in his Cub Scouts thing. That's right. And, um, but I kind of, I get, but we're supposed to meet over um, our manager's house and put the skit together and tape it. And we get, I said, well, why can't we just do it live? Why does it have to be taped so that way I can get out of having to go over there? And they said, well, one of the guys, he's He's shy about doing things like that in public, and he'd rather do it on tape. I said, "Oh, so we all have to uh, accommodate him." Mm-hmm. Okay. So that—that's the way it's, it's, it's ending up. Just so like but, uh,
7: I have oh. no idea. If you don't participate, is that something that could potentially affect your evaluation yeah. Or
2: Well, you know, it's one of the little check boxes for teamwork, you know, how well the team worked together to pull this off. Yeah. Mm.
4: <laughs> I've heard that frequently uh, when whites have those, you know, type of, just nonsense uh on the job, and then if you don't do it, you're not a team player, and that becomes a part of your evaluation process that you know you're not trying to work with us and bond and we're a family, I think uh Renethea Tata talked about when they invoke that sort of jargon that this is a family, and we spend so much time together when we want to promote you know team building and all that, so they use that against you if you you know act like you're uh not with it like uh I would you know. I don't, is it is it required that you that you go to this?
2: Well, they say optional, but then it's frowned upon. You know, they always say optional. Whenever they say optional, they really mean you better do it. <laughs> they don't really they don't really do optional. So they uh, just, can
8: like, you be sick that day?
2: That, that's what I was. That's what I was kind of thinking. You know. Just pulling the whole no show. I'm sick. I just can't deal with it. Because I've noticed on the. Oh, go
4: ahead. Mm -hmm. I'll wait. You can go ahead. Oh, thanks.
7: I've noticed, you know, on the flip side, you know, sometimes when there are things um, involving black people, like let's say if a black person is leaving or. I don't know, maybe a black person puts on something. There have been times that I've experienced the, the whites don't even show up. They, they'll Or they'll say, oh, I can't do that. And they don't use that line, well, yeah, we're a team, and, you know, we've all worked together and all this and that. So uh, I've just seen that on the, the, the flip side of it.
2: Yeah, I have too. That's, you know. Yeah, you know, because I, I don't know that that you know why did they pick this particular song? I don't know. I said I've never heard
7: of this song before. Can I have you heard? Yes, ma'am. Hey, hello,
1: guests, and hello to your callers. To the young lady that uh, you know with those workplace situation. Just a suggestion, because I know the other young lady said, can you call it, you know, sick, which, you know, is a good, uh, you know, because I know you're trying to uh, come up with something to get out of it. And I just wanted to share this with you. I had a friend, I have a friend, and uh, she had some cousins, and they were, like, in corporate America, if you will. And, you know, like you say, they can get together these days, you know, whether it's the drinks or whatever. And I know that business about, you know, teamwork, and even though they're telling you it's optional, but you kind of know if you don't show up or if you don't show up enough, then that's something that would be held against you. So my friend said, what her cousin and her husband would do, they would they would go to these functions and they would have a set time that they're going to stay in Louisville. It was like a half an hour, 40 minutes, 45 minutes, and then they would have somebody call them. And then it's just like, oh, my God, we're just really sorry. We got to go, you know. There's something going on, you know, there's something that we got to attend to, something that's come up. And and uh, I just remember my, my friend said that her cousin, that, is, that was what they used because they did not like to, you know, go to these type of functions, you know, and you know how it is too. Sometimes, you know, when you're off, you know, it's like, this is my time off, and, you know, or, you know, they keep playing these things. And I just remember she said that was like a standard thing that her cousin. And her her husband, her cousin and his wife did, and it was just that they had, they, and it was, it was set. They had an agreement Her cousin and his wife that they would go through these functions. They had a set time, whether it was a half an hour, 40 minutes or 45 minutes. And that was it. You know, so I'm just throwing something out that, you know, you might think, and I I will say to you, you know, if you do that, you know, I don't like to get, oh, my child was hurt accident because see, people will ask you about that. So, you know, you don't know, them. well, how's your son doing? Well, you know what I'm saying? Or, how's, how's this? But, you know, you come up with something. I don't care. You know, my sister, something happened in her house. She needed my help. You know, <laughs> something. But, you know, and it's, it's just something I'm throwing out that might be able to help because it's something about the grass skirt and the bananas and all that that just don't sound good to me and we know some of the stuff that they would do so I just wanted to um, throw that out hopefully it may help you it might be something you know that you can use and maybe you know something that it's like well no I don't care for that to be the best I could probably get
2: out that. that would get me out of the rehearsal but oh. the, the meeting is on I think it's next week the 4th and 5th and we're supposed to go to, I think it's Ontario, like two or three hours from here.
7: Oh my goodness!
2: And and this is gonna be—they're gonna be up all night, half the night anyway, drinking. And uh, and this is the like the the activity. And we're that's why they're supposed to be having a rehearsal Saturday, and then go up there. Uh, I think. I think, yeah, we're going up there Wednesday night and then coming back Friday.
4: Oh.
1: Wow.
2: That's very, and then they'll have, they throw some, like, training in the middle of it, so that way they can write it off as a business meeting. Hmm. But, but it's really just, yeah. there's nothing that I couldn't do right here. Right. I
1: understand that, yeah. I don't like those those things either because I'm kind of like you. I don't, you know, I don't care. I'll just say this. I remember, took one have a friend of mine I said, We said, Jim, do you have any white friends and all of that? And I said, no. I'm like, how would that happen? But I don't care for those either because, like you say, the drinking, you know, and all that stuff and, you know, members, they, they drink, they get drunk, drunk terms, in my opinion, speak sober mind, things that they'll say drunk that uh, they would dare not say, you know, when they're sober. And it just becomes a mess. So I definitely understand how you feel, definitely. Right.
4: Particularly when...
2: Maybe you. I'll just get sick <laughs> just before they they go down there and start all that mess and just go back to my room lock the door. yeah. Okay. And then, then, uh, then they'll, you know, they'll talk about all this crazy stuff they did. But I'm, I'm not into any of that stuff that they do. So, just, I don't know. Maybe anyway, I'll, I'll just have to pray about it. Call and speak for the whole meeting, which would be better, so then I could sleep, get some rest, or something, <laughs> or, uh, or go and just, uh, I don't know. I'm not into dressing up, and I already told them that, you know. I'm going to see if they, maybe they'll give me a different part, you know. I can hold the, run the video machine. I don't know what they're exactly they're going to do. They're supposed to be putting together some kind of video, and everybody's going to be in. And they said if you couldn't come, they wanted us to make a video and send it to them, and they'll splice it together. It's like, why
8: does that have to be in the
4: video? I don't know. Seems like a lot of uh, time and energy invested in something that you know does not have much constructive value on FaceTime, uh, other than wasting time. And I, I guess people can say this is team building, and you know we're we're getting to know one another and encouraging our family environment, but. Uh, I, I just whites do a lot of things like this that is just a total waste of time and energy. With all of the problems and things that people are trying to get done, and you know, trying to you know, even bottom line, we're trying to make money, and, and we got to stop and do all this. This is not helping any of us make sales. This is not helping. This is not bringing any money in uh, to the company. Just totally wasting time uh, on nonsense, and it's just tons of that. Uh, In the system of white supremacy. Uh, And I I definitely understand for a lot of folks, you know, that's a legitimate concern. If you take the position you don't want to participate, then they use that against you. And, you know, we covered all that as well. So it's definitely one of those that you kind of have to uh, weigh the variables uh, and make the best decision. Uh, that you can. But uh, I guess I can give uh, an anecdote as, as we're right at the close. Uh, I spoke with Mr. Fuller today and he was saying that uh, he was about to retire uh, from the Bureau of Engraving and Printing uh, his government job. He said he was about to retire. He would worked there for like 32 years. And he said that they uh, they called him up. He was right close to retirement that they called him up to uh, to some room. And he went upstairs, and they had, like, food and a cake and balloons and all this other stuff. And went, like, uh, right on, you know, congratulations and your retirement, and this is all for you. And, you know, just have a blast. And he, say, he said he didn't know what to say. He just sat there and looked at everybody like, what in the world? And he said, uh, he just said, you know, thank you. And he said he stayed for about five minutes, and then he dipped whatever. (laughs) and he said that they uh, he said that some of the people he he thinks that they're still upset about this to this day they're still mad at because he didn't stay and hang out at the party and have cake and all that and he said that 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 is just not me. He said he said if it had been the way that I wanted it, uh I would have slipped out and left and they wouldn't have even known I was gone. <laughs> they would have been a week later or whatever. Like, where is that fuller at? I haven't even seen him. <laughs> like, oh, you <he> were <laughs> last, last week. But he said he he has never. He said, that's just not my style. That's not how I get down. I'm not into any of that like i didn't he said i still didn't don't you know know what i even would have said to all of that like a party and all this other nonsense like that you know let's get back to work (laughs) i don't have any time for that at all and i super appreciate that particularly in in that sort of environment but um yeah, that, that, he shared that anecdote today um, until uh, producejustice.com, the website, if folks want to get his uh, material, producejustice.com. But uh, yeah, workplace racism, that'll be uh, this Saturday for the compensatory call-in. Uh definitely think this is something we should be talking about because I'm I sure even people that didn't get to uh, or chose not to participate or weren't able to participate, I'm sure for a lot of folks, they can uh, empathize with a lot of what uh, was discussed on the job and having similar situations uh, in terms of uh, white sabotaging what you're doing and crying and all the other nonsense uh, this Saturday, uh, definitely chime in if folks want to give us an update on what's going down. That'll, that'll be cool as well. Uh, unless anybody had anything uh, quick they wanted to get in before we conclude. Yes. Hello.
7: Just to the lady, you know, about the this cabana thing. Um, did you cite religious re- reasons? Did you just say, you know, because of my religion, I don't, I, I can't dress in scantily cl- clothing like that? Or, or think of that effect?
2: No, I didn't think about that. And they, um, that might work that, yeah, I can't, I cannot do that. Yeah, that might work because they know, they know I'm Christian, so they don't, uh... Oh, great. And so that's why they don't really, you know, every now and then they'll try to, you know, get me drinking something. But them, but you know, I don't, they kind of uh, given up on that. But like the last last couple of times I just kind of drink and I held it the same drink all night. And, you know, one of them made a comment about that. You know, well, okay, doesn't go down very well or something. But, but that might work. Man, I've I to tell them. I'm not, I'm, I can't do the grass dirt thing, so.
4: So you have to figure out something else. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Fabulous. Fabulous. Uh more to come. Workplace racism. I think people uh wrote in some things as well, uh, with workplace racism. So this Saturday, every Saturday, uh compensatory call in. Uh we always make time for that and uh something I would encourage folks to be. Talking about as well, Uh, if you, you know, have a uh, care mate, if you're married or have friends, family members, and that's something uh, just and you don't even have to bring up racism. You can just be talking about problems on the job and things, strategies that you use to solve those problems. You don't even have to mention racism uh, or say that it's white people. You can just bring up whatever problems that you're experiencing uh, and just be talking about that, because I think that is uh, super constructive and something that, you know, we should be trying to do more of. Uh, for black people, seeing if we can solve some of our problems uh, that we deal with on the job, 40 hours or more per week. Uh, but that said, uh, If anybody, if you have questions, uh, problems, confusion, feel free, chime in. Uh, I mean, drop an email until justice at gmail.com. Uh, if you can't find something in the archive or what have you, just let me know and we will track it down and uh, get it to you. Uh, definitely invest. If you think the program is constructive, Racism hyphen notes dot blogspot dot com racism hyphen notes dot blogspot dot com listener supported counter racist radio. PayPal is in the top right corner. If you're not feeling PayPal, uh, drop us an email and we will get you a physical mailing address. Uh, that said, uh <laughs> right on time sobriety would be best under conditions of war uh, it is one of the absolute worst decisions we can make as black people uh to consume alcohol under conditions of white terrorism definitely don't want to do it if you have to get behind the wheel of a vehicle uh, i would even say even if you're going to be a passenger in a vehicle it is a tremendous error uh under these conditions uh you want to be lucid clear in your thinking so that you can make the best possible decision to preserve your black life and the life of your family people that you care about that you might be responsible for if you have offspring sobriety would be best under conditions of war that said creator we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people we ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves Remind us to care for and value black mental health to the best of our ability. Encourage us to constantly demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times in all areas of people activity each and every time we are in contact with another black person. It has been time. Replace white supremacy with justice as soon as possible. Context of white supremacy. Signing out. Thanks all for tuning in.
1: I'm a victim, brother. You're
4: a victim. I'm a victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has
0: programmed my conditioning. Mm -hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.